I like the um, I like heavy metal. for one thing because we haven't really spoken much this week <laughs> yeah we've not really spoken since the last episode we did with ben so i think it's because you get off the you get off a call after like two hours and you're just like They're right like, yeah. i'll go have an hour to myself and then that hour to yourself lasts like four days yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're like two and a half three hour long conversations then it's like right i'm gonna bed now <laughs> yeah or just straight to the fridge or something yeah fine just same old in it good it's weird week of weather where it was super hot and then it's gone super cold but the sun's out like yesterday it looked like a summer's day but it was snowing but it Mate, was freezing tell me about it. I what know. the fuck's going on <laughs> we um we planted loads of stuff in the garden like last week and everything's died because of the frost this week so like we th- we thought the worst had ha- was Aww. the worst had gone we're like right fuck it let's really st- like, i don't know let's do something with the garden let's stick some i don't know some little flowers and stuff in there let's bury some stuff and let's see if it grows and then what was it yesterday and today we've had like flurries of snow where sunday it was like i was out out on sunday in the garden like 16 Wait, degrees so so you've been to the garden center twice or done all this extra work and now it's all dead in it three might, days because yeah. <laughs> of the fucking frost <laughs> at what point i'm see, livid man <laughs> yeah did you look at the weather when you for the week ahead well yeah went to but- the garden center yeah and it looked fine it looked like it right. was just gonna rain i was like okay well at least if it, if it rains it'll just mean i don't have to go outside and use the watering can See, <laughs> the like, rain will just do it for me <laughs> i guess weather's like an act of god in contract sort of law isn't it like you can't really fucking i just take everything back for the, the receipt now yeah you can't really take all that shit back to the garden center with a receipt and go well the weather wasn't very good and it fucking killed it all yeah. so invoking, can i have my money back they'll go invoking an act off. of god clause at home yeah. base yes <laughs> it's not gonna fucking work whereas mate that's what i'm saying they should start treating the weathermen like football managers do you know what I mean? If he, someone gets it really wrong, three bad results and you're out. Three, three bad, bad results and you're out. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, and if okay. you predict Chris, if you if you predict snow on Christmas Day, that's like an instant title. Yeah. And okay. it happens. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you have you have like weathermen jumping from channel to channel and like having like the Mourinho spiral where they start off really well and then by the third year they're in absolute turmoil and they move from ITV over to BBC. <laughs> yeah. You know when they you know when they're doing weather on UK gold that they fucking lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. That's them like managing away like out in Poland or somewhere out in China. Their last Jesus. job. <laughs> Mate, oh, wow. Pays the bills though. Uh, yes. Um but last week we had one thing we wanted to talk about, um, which we've kind of put off until today, which is that Royola and the mean Royola, Jonathan Barnett interview kind of transcript thing that was it was like four three yeah, four it was like a zoom athletic, call, right? Yeah, it was like a zoom call interview and they just sort of trans yeah, sort of what's the word for that? It was like a transcribe, wasn't it? It was a yeah, it was a yeah, long yeah. like ten, fifteen minute read in the athletic and it was basically just transcribed from 
a bunch of journalists sat in on this kind of loving between Jonathan Barnett and Mina Raiola, like two of football's yeah. biggest super agents. It was kind of just agents going, look at us, we are the fucking, do you know what I mean? That's what yeah. it sort of felt like. That's like, kind well, of what I took away we're from We're the it. corner and we're the new corner of football. We're the corner between clubs and players now. We have the power, not FIFA kind yeah. of thing. They have this kind of stranglehold, right? Because that's kind of what I took away from it. It, it felt like like reading through this thing because you sent it to me you're like oh look read this and we'll have we'll like you know we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about it and see what each other think and like i came away from it immediately thinking that it's basically just this kind of nauseating interview with like two of football's kind of superpower agents it was very like i'd say it was very sycophantic and quite like, the aim of the piece was clearly just to further their own public image right it was like to get their names out there as yeah, there was a bit of washing all the clients it, we there? have yeah yeah there was a bit of which I like I've listened to a few podcasts since then and listened to a podcast that James Horncastle was on after oh, okay. it after the separate because he did an athletic one and then he did a BBC one it was on the BBC one it was in the Euroleagues um, and he sort of like he kind of talked about it a bit more and it, it, it did have that effect on me a little bit like I did start to see things from the other side of it you know in terms of like they are just getting the best deals and best possible situation for their clients because that's what they do. But it sort of had this air of, well, it doesn't really matter about football though. It just matters about a name making sense with a name. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if Haaland's going to get offered X, Y, and Z by Barcelona, but the project might not be good or like X, Y, and Z by PSG, like, Imagine Harlan went to PSG. I mean, he obviously is not going to, but imagine he did, and it was just a good agent to club to play a thing. Like, at what point are you actually harming football because you're just sending someone where the numbers are versus putting someone in the right place? Like, do you know what I mean? Like Mane being bought at Southampton's an agent putting his player in the right place at the right time, and then it going again. That kind of thing. Makes football in sense, not just money sense. Yeah, yeah. But in ter- in the long term, it made money sense because you could see this really explosive player going into the Premier League, exploding, and then in turn again going on for a fee. And like yeah. that to me is smart versus just matching names with names. I'm not so sure about. <laughs> yeah, the way that the way that the kind of the piece was set out was them basically they've got um it's, they've got like a little click, haven't they? They're trying to. I can't remember what the, the name of it was. The football forum, I think That's it, called. the football forum, right. And what they're yeah. trying to do, I think, is they're trying to take on FIFA, essentially, aren't they? So they're... Which kind of gives you this, like, on the one hand, you've got... They would just take Jonathan Barnett and Mina Raiola as the two, like, the two names. You've got these two super agents who essentially, like, they bleed... They bleed football clubs and players of it, what I think is, like, is money and precious funds that could be spent elsewhere. Like it could be drip fed down the leagues or whatever. It, that that money mm. that goes to agents could go elsewhere. Huge agent fees. Like what did what did Raiola make on the Pogba transfer? It's like forty million. Yeah, that's it was like just 20, money. Forty million. Yeah. Yeah, that's just money that like completely just exits the game and it's just in their pocket now. It doesn't go back into football, does it? It just goes into their pockets and then they spend it on. I don't know, houses, cars, investments, whatever. But then on the other hand is, well, they're taking on FIFA, which is this like, despite its kind of well-meaning beginnings, is just this 
I don't know, it's like a poisonous and very untrustworthy organisation in football. So, but on but, both but sides, challenged like, by uh. pe- by but yeah, but like challenged by people that have learned to commoditize. Sorry, is that the right word? Commoditize. Yeah, I think it so. is. Yeah, well, that or commodification. But yeah, yeah, yeah I like get what you mean. Mina Rowley and and Jonathan Barnett, like by people and men that sort of have no connection or, I guess, base base knowledge value of football. I mean, we say we, you know, I guess you could say that about us. What the fuck do we know? But um, <laughs> like, they've sort of learned to commoditize talent and squeeze it for cash in the right way the only the only reason they're taking i think the only reason they're choosing now to take on or not to take on but just to i guess they are trying to take on fifa is because fifa are trying to cap agent fees and yeah because their, they their, deregulated it right and then re-regulated yeah, it they're, they're trying, trying to regulate to, it again yeah right and so it makes it seem like they're doing this kind of noble act of look we will stand up against this kind of evil organisation that oversees all of football we'll stand against FIFA we'll make sure that because they say things in the article like if anyone wants to take on FIFA because I think there's there's um, like the Trinidad and Tobago FA are having trouble with FIFA and I think what Raiola and Barnett have said is look, look if you're having trouble we've got enough money to back you in the legal courts we will help you out and they're making it sound like this a kind of you know, riding this band a of merry horse. men yeah, riding exactly. around, gathering all the people that are unhappy at FIFA to go at FIFA. Yeah, and when really all they're trying to do is just battle against this whole kind of cap, yeah. which <laughs> I think is actually quite a good idea. Which is probably the only good idea that's come out of FIFA in a long time because I don't, I personally hate what FIFA has become because now it's just it is just like rooted in corruption and bribery when. The origins of origins of the organisation were supposed to like you kind of supposed to bring football to the masses like globally. It's supposed to be mm. this great thing that takes football all around the world, and now all it does is it it takes football to South Africa, which is great, but then it ultimately <laughs> also gives it leaves to the country with loads the low, of money on the, on the backhand that kind of thing. yeah, and leaves them yeah. with these huge empty stadiums that they can't fill, and now it's just like the 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 footballing infrastructure in South Africa suffers because of it. So it's not this great organization that it's not fit for purpose like they say in the interview but not for the reasons they say in the interview (laughs) basically Mm. they're just trying to make them i think they're just trying to make themselves seem like white knights when that's not the case at all. yeah i mean an organization that big with that many deep-rooted fundamental problems is always going to rot and it's you know i mean you're not going to stop the rot with one fell through party is going to take time but i feel like also something combat that's why like something coming up against it and combating it is going to seem somewhat attractive because the grass is always greener to you know in some way or in some way or form the, the going back to something you said was um how they're tr- obviously trying to take on fifa and you know what fifa's become or whatever do you see instantly that fifa um as soon as the this european super league thing was was put out as an idea fifa put out like a instant press release out like anybody that takes part in this will be banned from all international competitions no world cup etc yeah that's sort of the like ultimately the world cup is the biggest thing that you can win right yes it is and if they have the hold on it this is not going to go away anytime soon no 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 no. i don't think it will um but I, i i just it was it was just a really odd it was just a strange interview to read because it just seemed like no matter what side let's say that these two 
warring factions do actually go to battle. You have like the super agents and everyone like everyone against FIFA on one side and then you've got FIFA on the other. No matter what side wins, so say let's say FIFA lose and you get these super agents, they're able to do what they basically they got carte blanche to do what they want, to take as much money out of the game as they want to, that's not good. But then if FIFA crush these super agents and they actually get this wage cap or the, the agent fee cap and stuff, it just means that FIFA grow with a little bit of power and they just continue to be more powerful and they can just mm. do what they want with the game, which is no good either. It's like fucking King Kong and Godzilla movie. It's like whoever wins, like we as in football lose. <laughs> so there's no good, there's yeah. no good winner in this situation, really. It's just that there's a lot about modern football that's come out in the recent weeks. Like I, I think I said on Twitter the other day that like, I did, the more I read about where football's going, the more I just don't want to watch any of it. Like, I enjoy the game itself. I just don't enjoy the direction that it's going in. Like, I'll sit and watch, I think this evening, just before we got on this call, like, I was watching the, the PSG buying game in the snow. And, like, Mbappe just scored. He's one of the most exciting young players in the world. And it was just it was beautiful to watch. But, yeah, it's a two, like, Bayern powered by Qatari money. PSG powered by Qatari money, I think, as well. So... <laughs> it's like not the best two teams to be watching if you really actually drill down into what the game is yeah it's this whole I don't know yeah it's it's weird like especially when sovereign wealth funds are just buying entire clubs up like sure I mean I'm sure they've done great for you know I'm sure the what you know the city owners done a lot for city Manchester City and the community and the fans and obviously as a football club gone places but it does seem a little weird. It seems a little American. You know how we always talk about the American model. When you think yeah. of NFL teams and the owners, it's always just some real big, rich, you know, <laughs> rich usually, old white man. <laughs> usually, a rich old white man that is has his, you know, started a corporation and now has a stranglehold or monopoly on whatever markets, and yeah. he's fucking just minted. Like, I think in turn, like the Premier League, if all twenty teams are owned by hedge funds, billionaires, blah blah blah, like. Where does the football isn't fans anymore? It's very much dictated by the coin, isn't it? Which we we know this though. It's just obviously talk airing it and and saying it in a in a way where it is it is a realization of ah oh, like foot you makes know, it really depressing, right? It makes it so yeah, yeah. It makes you feel like it's. It made you feel like I feel like it sort of governed itself back in back like ten twelve years ago. In a, in a sense, obviously, you didn't hear as much about owners or money or transfer fees or this or that. It was there was a lot less. Yeah, I don't know any football club owners before um, nineteen ninety five, where I think it was was it Jack Warner, I think, who mm. took over Blackburn and led them to the Premier League title. Yeah, um, it's like that's this... the first football that's the first club owner that I know of. Anything before that, I don't. So it's, it's sort of like the modern Colosseum and the new owner coming in and waving his hand is like the Julius Caesar waving yeah. to everybody <laughs> around them going like, I could kill you or make you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- like Sun- this new Sunderland tr- chairman, I think it's something like some King Louis Dreyfus or something. And he's all like Prince Louis. I don't know. Maybe that name is entirely wrong. But anyway, he's a prince. He's like a he's like 23 and he's a billionaire. And just for fun, maybe because he watched just Sunderland till I die on Netflix, he's gone. Fuck it, I'm gonna <laughs> buy, buy Sunderland, which sick. That, that's cool if you if you're invested in it and you want to, you know, it's like a real life turn game of it football around. Manager at that point, yeah. Which that honestly, you know, if we had billions in the bank, fucking, do you think we'd do that? Of course we would. 
Of course, I feel we like would. I would do that. I always yeah. say, I always say, if I won the, if I won a decent amount in the Euro Millions, I would invest in a local club. So, someone in non-league. So probably Bath City, if not, maybe someone lower down, like a Froome Town or someone. And I'd just slowly invest. I'd be like one of those silent partners where I just slowly invest, little bit by little bit, and just give them like a good foundation to build upon and then you sort of invest in the youth academy and then you, you you improve the training facilities and stuff like that so rather than go out and splash cash on fucking aging league two stars to drop down to the national league you do it properly i've got it all planned out <laughs> that's exactly what i do if i yeah. want loads of money on the euro million <laughs> scout scout players on football manager and go to the scouting department sign in yeah. now but yeah. it's 10 million <laughs> i'll send it i'll send it soon it doesn't matter exactly <laughs> Speaking of, um, I guess speaking of stuff like that, we 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 asked for questions a little while for the episode last week with Ben, and we actually checked our email address today for the first time, and I found three or four questions in here from an Eli Roberts, and he asked us about um, question number one, which is it kind of it it segues quite nicely into this. So question number one was, do you play fantasy football, and yes. if so, explain your experience with it and if it has if it gives you more interest in games so you're big on fantasy football right yes so i'm I not run... as much as i used to so go you can you can go off on this one if you want <laughs> um so yeah like the premier league app is by far well for the premier league <laughs> the premier league app is by far the best um there's i know there's a sky sports one like a guardian one but the premier league app itself is mm-hmm. by far the best um I started a league like two years ago. No, that's. I think I was trying to get Ben in on it at the time. I think we're out on tour because I was in a bunch of leagues from people that I'd met, but then I sort of like lost contact with them or just you know, new season came around and I was like, oh, I'll start a league. Neck Deep had a record called the Peace and the Panic out at the time, so I called it the Peace and the Prem. <laughs> that was fucking smooth. Um, good pun. Yeah, very good pun. Um, a bunch of people joined it and. I think everybody pretty much got the hang of it. I think it was like 30 people in it a year ago. Um, we'll do one. Next season, we'll do a heavy metal football one. Okay. Um, I'll get probably into it next year because I, I yeah. was for a while and then I just kind of... Dro- the last like three or four years, I just kind of dropped off and just forgot about it. I'd set my lineup at the start of the year and then completely forget about y- it. So, yeah, yeah. Y- you've got to do it every every week. Yeah. Um, it, it also made me watch more games and take more interest in specific mm-hmm. players. Like, I, And I did read a piece about how... Um, people think that fantasy football is ruining how football is perceived or you, because people aren't, some people aren't even taking notice of results. They're just wanting their players to score. Like it's a bet. Do you know what right, I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, where it, there's pros and cons to it. Like, you know, if you put, you've got to pick your, you've got to pick your squad. Out. I think you get a hundred million. Um, and I think the way that the scoring works is strikers get less for a goal um midfielders get a point more than a striker and then defenders get a point more than a midfielder for any goals because obviously like, yeah, it's like four five and six and it's four, strikers five, get four six, points yeah. for a goal then midfielders get five defenders get six yeah um and then obviously players get points for assists uh keepers get points for a certain amount of saves made your captains get double points but it did made me. It did make me take more of an interest because I was having to set my team every week and keep up with all the teams. And at that point, I was so you know you get so invested into football that like you completely forget about it. Um, I think well, I completely forget about it anyway. But <laughs> it's um, it's definitely it's definitely interesting, especially if you're going to pick your team and you're picking your team based off your experience watching football. Like 
anybody that had ever seen a French league game before the start of this year and watched Rennes at all might have come across a lad called Rafinha and then leads by him and you're like oh maybe I like the I like the look of him like oh I might put him in my team like and then he goes and he's had a great year he's you know really good player scored a lot of points I think on fantasy as well because he's been involved in a lot of assists and scored a few goals um at that point it's sort of rewarding that you've picked a player for your team that's scoring points by your perception of watching football in a way i feel like it maybe makes you feel like you know what you're talking about a little bit more yeah Um, vindicates you a little bit more doesn't it (laughs) but but also it can go to shit in 10 minutes if somebody like you know everyone's got virgil van dyke in their fucking in their in their three center backs because most people play three center backs so they can play three forwards or something like that who knew he was going to get injured and be out for the rest of the year like yeah not a lot of other defend you know he got a lot of clean sheets for liverpool hence a lot of points he also scored quite a few goals points and he's not there you've got to look for other options and when it the premier league's such a it's such a merry-go-round in terms of everybody beating everybody it can just be it can just be fucking rabbit our hat sometimes it's just do you know what i mean it's just luck sometimes yeah um, i think one of one of van dyke's last games must have been just before we got injured would have been that 7-2 smashing against villa <laughs> so oh, one of yeah. the last games yeah. he would have got points he would have conceded seven and yeah. got skinned by jack Grealish about three times during the evening <laughs> so oh th- that re- that reminds me there was that united game when they beat southampton 9-2 was it yes. or 9-0 9-0 9-0 9-0 yeah yeah i had bruno and rashford in and I captained Bruno, and I, I think I left, I maybe left Luke Shaw on the bench for some reason, I don't know why, and I forgot to take, um, I forgot to take Bednarek out, Oof. because Bednarek was my, he was my <laughs> highest scoring defender by a long shot, he was, he was doing real well, Southampton had a great start, didn't they, and like, he was playing every game, clean sheets, winning games, a few assists like getting points forgot to take Benarek out I think he got minus 21 points and when Fucking you get double hell. points with Fernandez for the goals and whatever yeah essentially you've just killed that so like <laughs> cancelled it out completely I would have yeah I would have rather picked one because I the way I do it as well is I I always get three subs that really cost fuck all I just go right to the bottom and pick the bottom player so I've got more money to spend on the starting eleven. Um, because I'm choosing players that are basically just youth academy players, so I can get an Aubameyang, Kane, Salah, okay. Kevin De, Kevin three. De Bruyne. It, yeah. Well, just the most expensive players that are going to score you the most points in the team. There's there's so many strategies to it. There's literal podcasts about it every week. I mean, it's definitely good to get into. It's there's fun books f- about it as well. It's fun for football. I mean, it's. It's a bit. We'll yeah, set up. It's, it's we'll set fun. up a, a heavy metal football league for next year, and we'll put the we'll put the code out there, and we'll see how many people join. Shall we? Yeah, I think we. Yeah, get, we, we could get a fifty strong in there. Wicked. That's what we'll go for. That's what we aim for. We'll try and come up with a prize as well, so we do like a winner's prize at the end. Yeah. We'll see what we can come up with. Um, cool. That pretty much brings us on to our interview for today. So we have got Ronnie Huxford, uh, the drummer from Those Damn Crows. Uh, he joined us this must have, yeah a little while ago now um, we've been saving this one for a couple of weeks um joined us on on a call and we chatted about all things he went to france to follow wells around euro 2016 um the band have got their own football team and stuff so you know listening this is a good one this is ronnie huxford <laughs> Thank you. 
Ronnie, thanks for joining us. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. Um, we hear that uh, those damn crows have their own football team. So, so, like, how often do you guys get together and play? Like, pandemic aside, so how often would you kind of get together and have a kick around? Oh man, we're missing it so much. Um, every Sunday uh, for about an hour and a half. Uh, started about four or five years ago just to try and keep fit. Uh, you know what it's like when you're off the road. You gotta. You just got to keep match fit. So a lot of us obviously grew up loving football. Um, so we got kind of like a five-a-side team together. Then that turned into six. Um, we tried to keep the numbers around seven or eight um, mm-hmm. and kind of do half pitch on a 3G um, just because it's a, it's a little bit more, I don't know, competitive and uh, you get more of the ball, um, but you're, you're more still... More condensed game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The old yeah, futsal yeah. style. Very it's... technical. Exactly that. We did try the whole full pitch vibe, um, it's but number big though, one, isn't it? It yeah, is, it is yeah. big. Well, you see the full pitch. You're like, come on, let's do it. Can can you get an extra four players? Go on, we'll get an extra four players. But it was really boring because you didn't see much of the ball. Um, plus, you realise that you're not at that level anymore. Like you know, and um, <laughs> it was you just... just can't be asked to run around that much. <laughs> exactly. It was yeah. like, hang on, this is far too much ground to cover. Like you know, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's been going for a few years. Um, we just tend to play against friends um, and and like other bands if we can, like you know. So, mm-hmm. what's your uh, what's your position on the field? Um, mine, I used to love being a striker, but weirdly, our defence turned to a shambles. So I kind of lost my head <laughs> at one game, went back, um, and now I've kind of fallen in love with a left back position. Even though I'm right footed, it means you can mm-hmm. you can do the whole cut in. Um, and catch people oh, on their okay. weak, you, you know the score, catch them on their weak foot yeah. and stuff. Um, so you're bombing corner. forward and you're cutting inside, right? right. <laughs> you got it. That's that's exactly, that's, uh, yeah. And they're like, oh, you can, you know, you can hit the ball as well, can he? So, um, so yeah, and, and, you know, you've got that kind of composure at the back as well. So you can pick out the passes and stuff. So, because like I've played with Shane, um, well, we've known each other since school. So, um it's pretty much you got that telepathic. I, I kind of know how he plays. Do you know what I mean? So he's a, he's quite a tall guy as well. Um, Did you play so together just, with him growing up then? Yeah, not not like for any great team. He went on. He was he was a brilliant footballer. Shane was. Um, I, I unfortunately fell in love with alcohol and rock music. So I kind of <laughs> <laughs> everything sporting kind of went out the window for me. I was really good at cricket. Um, I used to play for like. Um, your, you know local clubs and stuff and um especially footy but yeah just rock and roll kind of took over so but shane's um, in the band as well yeah shane's the front man um but yeah yeah right. he, he, he was really good football and all fair play you know so you all live um quite close together and stuff then so you get to you get together quite like fairly regularly then yeah we do i mean you know obviously pre-pandemic um we're all kind of just down the road, as they say. It's um, it's like I don't think either of us live out of eight miles, ten miles of each other, like you know. So mm. um, yeah, and it's cool. Then on a Sunday, we we just meet up. Uh, we've hired this like school football pitch, uh, better than when we grew up. Put it that way. We used to play up on commons. <laughs> you know the score, and it jumpers for yeah. goalposts and stuff yeah, like that. Right. Like, Whatever you can uh, find. If, you, right. if there's a bin in the middle of the field, you'll just put your jumper on the other side because at least the <laughs> bin's half decent as a goalpost. That's right, that is. Yeah. That's right. I think one of my mates was so crazy growing up, he spent pretty much the whole of the summer holidays building nets 
um because oh. he was he was obsessed like there because i don't know what it's like around by you guys but here the the council take down all the goals in the summer so they take they take down they, they leave the goals up here but the nets are gone yeah. i've noticed that i mean i've never seen there be a net on a goal in a park ever but <laughs> the 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 goalposts are there for the majority of the year unless like it's a relatively busy football club then they seem to take them down yes in the yeah. summer if they've got a good pitch well i think a lot of the the pitches around here even like the good football teams are, are council owned right. um so yeah they always take the goals down but we found this one pitch growing up there they must have forgotten about like you know and like i said my buddy i remember him kind of weaving together these nets um and that was such a big thing when he'd finished just to hear the wrestle like you know it was like yes well done <laughs> so you'd always you'd always knock for him first and hope he was playing like you know <laughs> Sick. one with the nets and one with the ball that's what you need that's all you need that's all you need <laughs> so um those damn crows then like you've played with the front man in school as a footballer and then grown up with him and now he's the front man of the banjoing so you like pretty much friends since you like what how old like eight years old maybe yeah, um, you got it bang on. Um, I've known Shane since we were roughly around eight. Um, so we went through... That's a good guess, Matt. That is a really good <laughs> guess. Yeah, so we um, we grew up together, uh, went through junior school together. Um, it was all about sport when we were younger. Um, so we didn't really talk about music. It was all about, you know, your, your favourite football team or rugby. Um, especially in junior school, it was rugby orientated. And then we went to comp. Um, and then we were we were kind of brought together mutually by a music teacher. That's when we became proper friends because he'd kind of um, guided me towards the drums, um, and he guided Shane towards um, piano, singing, songwriting. Um, you know, due to our junior school because his wife worked there, um, mm. he kind of picked up the mantle and and kind of pushed us in that direction. So, so that's when that's when we started becoming bandmates more than anything so yeah we've been in like bands since we were oh, i'd say at least 14 um and then and the people that like influenced you to like you know want to play drums was that from the moment they inf influenced you to now are they still is it still the same foundation like when you found like rock and metal and you know was that once you found it that was it you were or was there like a turning point later down the line or like what? oh there was definitely a turning point i mean i i grew up i was very lucky my dad my dad was a session musician he was a drummer um but he he just didn't that wasn't like what he wanted for me um he just wanted me to mm. be like i don't know like head of the gas board or something something responsible <laughs> you know what i mean something so, completely different <laughs> yeah something that just like paid the bills i remember him saying to me like we'd be um my dad did a lot of work for like say um bbc or s4c back in the day and um he'd be playing the drums i'd be like wow and i'm like in the studio and stuff you'd see all the cameras and he'd be going oh you should learn how to operate one of those cameras that's a much better career for you rather than like come and come and get jump on my drum kit come on come and have a look at this mm. like do you know what i mean um so when when i went to school to comp um, it was my my old teacher, Mr. Jones, the same uh, teacher as Shane, um, who kind of, he was like, why are you doing geography? I was like, oh, my, my dad said it's a good career. You know, you should, <laughs> you, should, you should know your countries, obviously. I don't know what you would need geography for, but um, he dragged me out to geography, said to the teacher. To know where never... you're going touring, I guess. 
I, well, there we go. It's coming handy, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. um, yeah, he dragged me out of the class. Uh, said to the the teacher, he's never coming back. I was like, oh no, what have I done wrong? He took me down to the music room. There was loads of boxes, and he just basically said, your first lesson is to open those boxes. Brand new drum kit. Um, we tuned it together via the piano, um, and that was it. I was on the drums playing a four four beat. Um, I think he knew it was kind of in me, if that makes sense, because mm. I'd always grown up around it. Um, and yes, I jumped jumped on the drums. Like if my dad was doing two shows in a day, like I jump in in the interval or something like that. And you know, you'd be in this big ambient theater, and you'd be doing the the whole like John Bonham stuff. You know what I mean? Hitting a bass drum, getting that that clout like. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was thanks to my music teacher who really brought it together. That was the turning point. He he created an environment then for myself, for Shane, for other people to kind of create music you go in there on your lunch break so sadly where i loved football um and i it didn't kind away. of yeah you know you choose yeah. to go in the music room rather than go on the on the on the tennis courts and play football yeah. um you know i'd be i'd be practicing or i'd wanna then i met a um i'd become really good friends with um the drummer from bullet and now he's the drummer from killer lights uh, moose thomas yeah uh, we were in class together and He'd be like putting a, you know, the old Walkman over my head, like, you know, have a listen to this. And it'd be like Megadeth and um, <laughs> Metallica, where Ride the Lightning. And I'd just be like, oh, my God, this is insane. Mm. Um, so I think the real turning point was I did a gig with him. And uh, that's when I found alcohol. Uh, I shouldn't have really, you know, anybody <laughs> listening. It's not a it's not a great lesson. I was 14 showing off. Um, drunk lords played my first I'll call it festival gig um, and that was like a rock and roll moment if you get me I didn't go home that night I rebelled I had cricket trials the next day I quit um, oh, mate, yeah. <laughs> mate, well that's something that. That, that's something that we both said like you know that resonated with when we were thinking about doing this podcast was that we sort of grew up being sporty playing football and well into sports and then we found like metal and rock and everything that influences to want to be like ah, kind of thing and football yeah. like fell away for a bit and we had to like refine it sort of thing so it seems to be a really common pattern throughout the people that we've spoken to yeah. on this podcast where like it starts off i think football is something you latch onto at a really young age and then you find i guess you find music and you have this pre-appreciation for heavier music and yeah it just kind of takes precedent for a bit but then somehow you kind of find your way and you might you manage to sort of like both things equally at the same time, but at a later stage, it'll be like late teens or something like that. But My, mine was Metallica as well. That mm. fucking when I you know when I when I was younger. My stepdad put Metallica on, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the best <laughs> thing!" I've, you know, like you said, this is the best thing I've ever heard. But also, it was that it was because I'd never heard anything like it, or never yeah. cared, you know um and yeah changed it like that was that was the turning point but well, yeah um... like i said my my dad was like a session drummer see so the music i was growing up with was all like jazz it was mm. you know he's phenomenal jazz musician but um it was all your west end shows like phantom of the opera and um and then pantos you know we used to do pantos yeah. so it was all so that... disciplined yes man and it was like yeah. really show busy you know what i mean it was mm. all that whole so... very popular like you know in like a prim and proper sense of like playing the drums for the sake of tasteful effects versus finding drummers that were like you know like we said metallica were the the bigger the widest open thing we've heard and it's like ah, what were the drummers that sort of 
you maybe came across at that time and thought, damn, I want to be like him. I want to play like him. Well, my mate, when he when he kind of latched on that I liked rock music, because before that I was like, you know, headbanging to Diana Ross or something like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like... Very difficult to do that, let's be fair. <laughs> or, you know, busting out the moves to Tina Turner or something. But yeah, it was, um, you know, I'd obviously listened to the Beatles and stuff like that, but it was... Um, he brought over this record and it just looked really cool. There was loads of like dogs throwing shit. And I was like, that's incredible. What What's this? And he was like, have a listen to it. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Um, <laughs> so I listened to uh, Ducky Green Day. And uh, okay. that that was like, I got to get in a band. Um, now, prior to this, I'd seen the, I must have been really super young and I'd seen... Um, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. I was talking about this the other day uh, to my buddies. And I remember seeing the George Michael part and the drums for Roger Taylor, where it was someone to let somebody to love. Um, Mm. And just that whole like tribal essence of the Toms. I don't know. It just kind of, that got something going and I was like air drumming. So that was like my first, you know, Oh, I I really like this. And then I get the pillows out in the bedroom. Um, but drums that's back ducky... them as well, especially the way they used to tune toms or like, oh. you know, they were big, wide open drums. Sometimes some of them know like rezo heads on and they just bash him and it was like big gongs, loud thuds, you know. It was it was just incredible. Break... kind of thing. Yeah, I just remember that that breakdown part. You know what? You, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm on about. Or even if you've heard the song, it's just how he was hitting those drums. And I was, mm. and I could just feel my arms kind of, you know, you could see him moving and it was like, you know, but you don't know. You're so young. You don't really realize that 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 is the moment that you've kind of chosen your weapon. Like you know, yeah. um, but the Ducky album, yeah. When when I kind of started doing that, and there was a song called Burnout, and it just has this frantic kind of oh, kind of semi drum solo uh, between the breaks. And I remember kind of sitting there with the pillows yet again, um, trying to kind just, of master it. Yeah. And then when my teacher had bought me that drum kit, obviously. You know, I'm playing like four fours and stuff like that with him. And then all of a sudden I start doing that little drum break. And yet again, Moose was kind of pushing music down my throat going, you want to listen to this? You want to listen to that? He heard one day me in the music room just playing Burnout. And he was like, oh, my God, he can play Burnout by Green <laughs> yeah. Day. He gotta, he's got to be in my band. Um, and that's that's kind of how it, it was. Like It was like, you know, if it wasn't for him, it was like, I don't think I would have gone into whole like proper rock bands. Um, and that's what, you know, and I didn't even really know what I was doing. That's the best way to explain it. I mean, we were playing like Nirvana because Nirvana was massive and mm. I'd be playing Breed and um, all, all stuff like that, man. Just up in like a community center or um, or a, a youth club with like 20, 30 kids around with long hair, all of us dressing like crap. Um, and just basically, yeah, Sounds just like a gig. Sick. Oh man, it was brilliant. They, honestly, I didn't realize how cool of a time that was until like looking back the other day and thinking, wow, my practices were gigs. Um, we'd be doing a set of like Metallica, Pantera, uh, Green Day. They were just folk there, like, yeah. I'm yeah, because it's, it's a youth club, all your buddies yeah. are there. And obviously, grunge at this time, boys, is like, it's exploded. It's 1994, it's massive. Um, mm. And like, everyone's grown their ear. Uh, they, you know, they're either smoking weed, drinking cider, whatever. But everybody's got this. Yeah, man. So it was just like a party galore, and it was just like, wow, this is, 
this is mad. Oh, we got school in the morning. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds sick. I mean, uh, as well, like, I'd never, you know, I'd never grown up with Dave Grohl as considered like specifically a drummer, which for me as a drummer, especially when I like found drums, I think that would have been like quite big if Dave Grohl was specifically a drummer, but it's so weird to think, do you know what I mean? When you, we think of Dave Grohl now, you just think people just think generally Foo Fighters. He's front but, man, right? Yeah. Front and center, yeah. biggest rock star in the world. Yeah. But it's like, here he was in, in, in the never, you know, obviously the big thing that Nirvana get the Nevermind video and like sort of sets them to be absolutely iconic in there just this long hair guy just fucking bashing away in this not even because i don't know that's the thing with dave Grohl. he's so good like you know when you know have you seen whiplash yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you know the whole drag and push thing when he just rips into him i feel like dave Grohl has one of these styles where he's so good at drums that the interpretation of time in him is completely locked that he can just play rock beats that sound perfect and he is perfect, but he never played. You never see him play drums anymore, and it's like, oh my god, you're so good, and you were in Nirvana. Sorry, I've just ranted about Nirvana for two minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. Know, I mean, I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, me, me and the boys are growing up in that era, so it's like it's super exciting for us. Do you know what I mean like yeah. Lloyd? Lloyd in the band is ten years younger than us, um, so we kind of rave on about it, but he still appreciates it. And mm. yet Lloyd Lloyd loves like eighties music. He's massive into your Aerosmith, really? etc. Um but yeah, Nirvana growing up in that that era was just it was insane. I mean, you speak to purist metalheads, like, you know, I've done a few interviews and they're like proper, they grew, you know, their music scene was the 80s. So they hate grunge. They they hate it, like, you know. Um mm. but for us it was that I don't know, somebody putting petrol on a fire, like it just it, it just <laughs> become a scene. Um, it just become a meaning. Do you know what I mean? That that was like mm. it's exactly what I said to you guys earlier and echoing it. It was like that was the reason why you kind of deflected from sport was because of that whole scene, that grunge scene, that Nirvana. Like I said, and that took you down the rabbit hole then of like listening to your your Metallicas, your Megadeths, your Panteras, your Sepatura at the time. Um it was um, just like yeah. Oh man, it was insane, boys. It was it was just like wow. Um and we were only you know, we were only like 14, 15, 16 then when this is happening, like, you know, so it's it was crazy times, like, you know. It's great how you've rolled those bands off as if you're some kind of like Sky Sports pundit, like your Gerard, your Lampard, your Panteras, your Mante- <laughs> Metallica's like great crossover for this podcast. Fucking excellent. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's so true, man. It's like, you know, I remember sitting in my buddy's house cleaning symbols ready for a gig and um you know he's kind of reeling off stats of like these big bands i can't remember who it was but he was like yeah man did you know and they still work because it's not like uh, when you get signed and like everything changes they still got jobs and i'm like wow um (laughs) (laughs) so because like you could see the industry was changing even at that Mm. point then um and some of these super like metal bands were 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 still struggling like you know they weren't as commercial as your nirvanas became um or your pearl jams or your you know well the mega giants and metallica have you seen the uh anvil documentary oh it's brill brill So, so good so good and so sad isn't it i know yeah it's like, I watched that... that for the first time last year and it was 
Um, I think it was last year, maybe. I, I say I always get 2020 and 2019 mixed up, but it was, yeah, one of the most like heartbreaking, especially at the end of the documentary as well, where like it builds up to this one festival performance and then it, the camera kind of pans to the crowd and it's <clears throat> quite sparse. Yeah. Like it's it's a really heartbreaking story, isn't it? It sort <laughs> yeah. of set the tone, it sets the tone at the start where I think, I can't remember who says it. It might have been like Lars Ulrich or Slash or something. I can't remember. But they say like, yeah, Anvil, like they were back in the 80s, this sort of like up and coming metal band and then everybody ripped them off and got massive mm. and left them behind in the dirt. Um, oh. The bit that got me was where he's the the, the 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 sort of the vocalist of Anvil is talking to I think it's is it Tommy Iommi I think from Black Sabbath and he's like oh do you remember this you know there there was that festival performance in Japan I was like playing the guitar with a dildo and the the guys just kind of looking at him like no I don't remember that at all <laughs> but it's like the it's like the biggest thing for the for the vocalist and and just Tommy Iommi is just like no <laughs> it's like, I was like sat in my, sat on the sofa like oh fucking hell like that, proper oh, like mate, that fingers in the, my um, eyes like oh the bit with the in, in the Czech Republic when they play the show and he's like oh, I can't pay you oh, I can pay you in goulash yeah. though and he's like I don't want your fucking goulash <laughs> like yeah <you? laughs> no one wants to be paid in goulash oh, god <laughs> funny funny <laughs> so okay. oh Manchester United then Ronnie what's the uh, how how it seems to be a theme of of Welsh people supporting Manchester United. Yeah, boys. Um, it's it's funny actually because when when you said about coming on, and then I'd listen to a, a few of the podcasts, and I'm like, oh no, they're all Man United fans. <laughs> and, Mate, and particularly, yeah. I remember one you going, "We're gonna have to find somebody else, guys." Do you know what I mean? And I'm like. <laughs> Oh no, I'm going on there next, and I'm a Man United fan. <laughs> I didn't even realise that we've done two. We've done two Welsh boys in a row that both support Man United. Um, so well, it's just a running thread. A just happens to be a thread. Yeah, it's definitely not in the water because you know there's a lot of Liverpool fans and stuff. Um, I I, I kind of got into them. I mean, I'd love to see you both. It's Cardiff or it's Swansea or even mm. Newport County or. Um, but I got into them because my dad was at that time, well, my dad's a bit of a glory hunter, but he supported <laughs> Nottingham Forest when I he was... He supported Nottingham Forest? Yeah, he was, he was more of a following the man kind of guy. So he used Brian to love Clough, Cluffy. Then. Yes, yeah. you got it. Um, I mean, I am a Forest fan. So that was nice to hear. There you go, we'll get your dad on as well. As well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that'd be interesting, good God. But yeah, he, um, <laughs> he, um, I just remember watching Match of the Day with him. I'm like super young. I think it was like 90, 91, 92, I can't remember. But um, like I said, football was always on in my house. Um, and I just remember watching Match of the Day with him and I said, who is that? And he said, oh, that's Nottingham Forest, that is, son. He said, brilliant team. And he said, Brian Clough, best manager ever. And, you know, he's go he's going through all of that. I said, who's that team, man, Dad? Man United, you don't want to bother with them. And he goes, who do you support? <laughs> and I went, Man United. <laughs> that was like, that was like literally it. It was that whole, like, I'm going to support the opposite team. And I remember sitting there for that. I can't even remember if they won, but I just remember sitting there for that highlight, that match of the day highlight, thinking, come on, Man United, whoever you are, come on, beat Nottingham Forest. And, um, you just stick with your team then, don't you? It's a weird, yeah. it's such a weird, you know, I, I think you've had it before and I've said it before where I know a lot of dads now or a lot of boys my age, they take their kids down to, down to Cardiff City Stadium and you stay local. Um, I've tried to do it with my son, boys, to be honest. I'm like, look, I support Man United. I can't get out of that, that, that loop. 
Um, I got to stick with Man United, um, but you should support Cardiff. So I took him down to Cardiff, but he even he's a Man United fan. It's mad, isn't it? Because I've always had it on the TV. Um, he's he's grown up watching Man United, like you know. So I think that's it. Like because you're not going to not watch United, he's then going to be subjected to United at the point where he wants. You know, it's probably quite an exciting time to be a kid and a United fan as well. Because I imagine. Well, I don't know. I, we can say the glory days might be coming back for him, but we'll obviously see. But still, yeah. as a kid growing up, like I remember as a kid growing up, it was United dominated everything all the time. And in that turn, it made me sort of resent them a little bit. But I can imagine from what they've been through in the last, like, how long now, really? Ten years? It's about yeah. Eight, yeah, about yeah. eight years, I suppose, since Fergie left now, isn't eight, it? Yeah. Eight years, to be a kid like gr- growing up being interested in football and wanting to watch football it's probably quite exciting to be a United fan again yeah I, I suppose so I mean I, I when I got into Man United properly um, we yeah I must have picked God I picked him at the right time because it was obviously um, you know your Cantonar era and, and mm. he just joined and, and things really did start to turn Um so I, I was really, really lucky in that team back then. You know, your Schmeichels, your Paul Parkers, Pallister, Bruce. Uh, the, the, oh, I loved the defence. And then you had your Robsons, your Mark Hughes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then obviously you, you you grow up through that that team and watch it evolve and then the class of 92 join. And um, So yeah, man, it, it's really great times being a supporter. Um, my boy, um, he I think he was too young to really get the Fergie years. Um, but then um, he did see the dark days arise, like you know. We got um, the Van Hal years, did he? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he's sixteen <laughs> now. So he's, he's, he's um, he's yeah, he's sixteen. Uh, we start young in Wales, so. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's um, he's sixteen and he's massive into his football. He actually goes to an academy and stuff. So um, he he he's gone through the dark days. So I'm kind of glad of that because he's he's stuck with them. Um, where I know, like, you know, he's at that age when you're, like, 14, 15, 16. He could have easily lost interest or he could have found another team. Um, but if anything, no, he's, he's stuck with them and he analyses them more. He explains a lot more to me, which is brilliant. Um, and especially, <laughs> like, the youth system. Um, he's always looking at the younger players because of things have changed now. I mean, when I used to watch Man United back in the day, it would be either oh, if you were lucky it would be on your terrestrial tv or if you had sky you watch sky sports um mm. but but now you've got the the youtube and, and internet and, and everything's there so he's watching the whole youth system i don't know if you guys have dabbled in that but yeah. like my boy watches all the youth system videos and like the way for youth league and all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah, man. Yeah. So I mean, United like... have got some some kids in the youth league. I think they're pinning some hopes on this lad called Hannibal Medry that's like got this big. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. He was, he's wicked. Yeah, he's exciting for sure. But so I, I can imagine, I can understand why for sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't delve into it. But does he does he play football manager by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's a full on FIFA red. I mean, I retired from FIFA when he beat me. Um, well, it, <laughs> that day always comes for dads, I think, doesn't it? Where uh, oh. the, the the kid beat the, the apprentice beats the master for the first time, and you know the tide's turning. <laughs> oh, boys, and, and I'm still in my thirties, so I still, you know, I'm still part of that gamer world. But I'm like, I I haven't even let him win. He's just beat me. 
Um, and then I played him again, and he beat me again. And I was like, "That's it now. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't. Like, it's like it, you have to put down the controller and go. Okay, hanging the <laughs> controller from the ceiling like a retired jersey or something. <laughs> oh man, oh, honestly. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I've just always stuck with Man United, and I always get roasted for it. Um, whether you're winning or you're not, you're always roasted anyway as a Man United fan. But. <laughs> Who was your um? Who was your first love as a United player then? Who was the first player you got on the back of a shirt or anything like that? Eric Cantona. Cantona. Yeah, I had the. Can't the, go wrong. Oh, man, just the the collar up, uh, just just pulled that collar up in the park, stood there, shoulders back, um, and then miss kicked the ball. <laughs> miss kicked the ball. But... Yeah, miss kicked the ball. I actually think I did that once and kicked the park bench and ended up fracturing my foot, like you know. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, just a really bad uh, klutz moment, like. But no, it's um, yeah, he was just the guy. I can't explain it. I think it was his. He was just unbelievably like, um, cool, isn't he? It's like yeah. the, the personification of cool. Yeah, rock star footballer. Would you say that, boys? Mm, oh, easily. Yeah, yeah. still, the, the, still a rock star. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, you know, you're looking at players back then, like your Brian Robson, just looked like a normal guy, like a dad. Um, <laughs> and then you got your Gary Pallister's, your Steve Bruce, looks like he's been in a few fights. Um, but then you had this Cantona who's standing in, he just had the essence of headlining download, like, do you know what I mean? It was like, mm. he oh, just looked like, so super cool, just his stance, the way he would walk, the, the way he would even like, you know, retrieve the ball or just pick somebody out even if he messed it up he would look and go that's your fault mm. <laughs> it looked like he owned the pitch whenever he stepped onto it as well it was just an amazing aura around the guy oh it's tremendous absolutely I mean, tremendous and the capacity to fly and kick somebody in the crowd too you know like yeah. <laughs> to just want to do it to just go and do it fair enough I mean character <laughs> oh, wow definitely what a what a what a video that is! Yeah, well, as, you, a, um, as a massive wrestling fan, I'm so gutted he never came to WWE with a kick like that. That was <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that would have been one hell of a like a special like celebrity signing if he'd gone and spent like a, a year on. <laughs> my <Raw>. my <laughs> big fear though, my big fear is if they if he goes and does that in America, do they and do they do do they care? Do they know? Yeah, probably. I don't not. think they'd know who a '90s footballer was in America. To be honest, they might know. I think they would be like Eric Cantona. Know some modern, oh, yeah. and that would be the most depressing thing. Yeah, yeah there's a shot, man, where they came over you, and you could see somebody had just got Wayne Rooney, put him to the front of the ring, stung, you know, and it was like, oh look, it's British footballer from Manchester United, Wayne Rooney, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you don't know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. there's yeah. a. There's a cracking clip of like I think it's like really late nineties where like the WWE toured like Manchester, I think, and the camera pans around and it try to, tries to pick out some celebrities and it picks out what like a one hell of a trident of celebrities. So it goes, it pans and it, it catches Eamon Holmes, number one. <laughs> then it ca- then it catches Chris Tarrant. <laughs> and then the third one is Gianfranco Zola. And it's like three prime nineties like <laughs> naff celebrities from British like TV and sport. Um, and you're just like, like if you're an American watching this, you know, like pay-per-view or whatever, you're like, who the fuck are any of those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? Who the fuck is Eamon Holmes? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. You, um, you follow Wells Home and Away, right? Yes. So, yeah. So that, like, you must have enjoyed the summer of 2016 then. 
We've got uh, to talk about that. <laughs> we, we, yes, it's the best summer ever as a football fan, but as a Welshman, um, mm-hmm. I was just so lucky. Uh, my my best mate uh, phoned me up and said, are we doing the Euros? Because we did the whole campaign lead into that. Um, right. I mean, the qualifying was, campaign, yeah? Yeah, we do, we done it yeah, all, yeah. boys. I mean, for years, I've been going to watch Wales. I, I mean, I even date back to... Like the dark days when we, you know, we missed the penalty. That that was a that was a really <laughs> bad moment. Oh no, it was. It was a it was a horrible moment in, especially with football and stuff, where you're you're so close to being in your first tournament. You know, I think. So which I, what what year is this? Oh, that would have been ninety ninety three. Okay, so this is for World Cup ninety four, right? Yeah. Yeah, Just yeah, so I get yeah. The timeline, right? Yeah, it would have been. I think it was. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety three. Um, we were against Romania, and I just remember a penalty, and it was um, Paul Bowden. Um, it would have been the old Welsh stadium as well. I was only mm. a kid, and and I just remember like this penalty was. If we would have scored the penalty, we would have gone to the World Cup, um, and sadly it didn't happen. So for years on then, and you've gone through your Gary Speeds and and those dark days, and then Chris Coleman took took the team off Gary Speed um, through you know the horrible circumstances. Um, and we were just there for all of it, me and my buddy. We were we were going even up to the race course up in Wrexham, when mm. the when the capacity, mm. sadly, boys watching Wales dropped to like, you know, four or five thousand people. Damn, it was just like yeah. it was dark days, like you know. And then we get this glimmer of hope. We get into the Euros. Nobody's expecting anything. My buddy rings and says, "Do you fancy it?" So we paid for the whole thing. We um we we banked on Wales getting to the final. We laughed about it, but we did one of those tickets where you could have all your group stages, but then you pay right up into the final. Um, and obviously, if you come out, you get your money back for the remaining games. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and little do we know that it's going to be like <laughs> a month in France. And thousands of pounds later, like mm, traveling Jesus. up and down, but oh my god, worth yeah. every penny though, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, honestly, I mean, we 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 went over to to Bordeaux, um, and then that first game against Slovakia, I I was just, I can't explain it. I mean, I don't know. Have any of you guys seen like England in a in a competition in a in a Euros or in a not in a major never, tournament? No, no. been to see England in qualifying, but never a major tournament. See, now I grew up watching England in, in tournaments because um, my dad always had it on the TV. So I, I watched the whole, you know, your Stuart Pierces or your Paul Gascoigne's mm. and, and all those moments, you know, rooted in as a kid, to be honest, for England to win, like, you know. Um, and then to be a Welsh footballer and yeah, football fan and just be like, oh, I'd love to see my country in there. When we were in Slovakia and that national anthem hit, I just, it was just holding it together, man. It was just like... Uh, I, was, I was crying because I was thinking of all those times, all those tournaments growing up when you're young, watching them on the TV, and they, there I am, I'm at one, like, but not just that one <laughs> for the sake of it, you know, oh, you know, we'll just go and watch a football game. We're in Germany, let's go and watch a Bundesliga. It was, no, we're in the Euros. We're actually in the Euros, and this is our team. This is our team that we've been following for years through the through the rough and the dark times. Um, and then to come out of that game winning 2-1 was just like, Oh, I was. It was th- that was it. It was like this is amazing, uh, but not with the expectations of what was to happen. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. It was like one you, game at a time. Yeah, it was one game at a time, and then obviously we followed on. We went to the England. We thought, oh, we're going to take you apart by you. Um, and then <laughs> I, that... I, I, it could have. It, it, 
I maybe thought that was going to happen at the time too. Because Bale was like in his prime I was scared then, that wasn't game. he? Bale yeah. was like Oof. scary footballer. And, you know, it said it all in that free kick that it went in. And I think England got lucky in that game. If I'm yeah, honest. I. I totally agree with you, bro, and I'm so glad you said that because you speak to some England fans and they're like, no, we, we dominated you, you're, you're poor. You're... I think Wales actually showed England too much respect. They mm. they almost had a bit of fear. I think the occasion got to them because we didn't play like we were. It was like everything had stopped. We were, we were missing that beat. Do you know what I mean? Everything, even the pressure in... Everything just the passing wasn't there. We were going back to old Welsh football of oh, oh, just lob it upfield. Oh, someone's got to get it, win the first ball. Oh, come on. Um, and panicking, you could see the panic. And then Bale was trying to be everywhere, mm. which you could... he did a lot of running that game. I think I remember like the, the tide really turned and sort of like he really wanted it didn't towards, he? yeah, really and towards the end it. of the yeah. game, it was all pressure on the Welsh goal, and you could just kind of like. England didn't play well for like maybe the first 60 minutes, but then as the game sort of went on, they just kind of kept putting more pressure and pressure on it. And they did, essentially, they nicked it at the end. Storage, oh, wasn't yeah. it? The way, that, the way that the tournament went, that you could kind of see who the better side was. It just happened to be that in that 90 minutes, the like England nicked it. And I don't have any really, I don't have any reservations in saying that because I know that that, that summer, England were shite. And oh, the, crap. Like, the Welsh story was fucking incredible. Yeah. Oh, it was it was so dark after that match, oh boys, because we'd obviously, you know, we'd gone out there, we'd hired a car, we had a tent. Um, everything that you can imagine went wrong. We went back to the tent. It leaked. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, it was just the most darkest, grimmest night as a Welsh supporter. <laughs> My mate had lost his temper. He went and kept in a car. I drank like a bottle of red wine. I was pissed. I woke up in the morning damp. Um, <laughs> and then and it, it almost set the mood. Then we went to, because um, we were up in lawns, we went to this like really old school French camping site where he, he managed to kind of on the wing. So you're on the wing now because our tent is gone at this point. It's just been like wrecked. Um, so we're, we're like booking these like little huts. Have you seen them like the Hobbit houses and stuff? Mm. Um, so we, we managed to like book one of them. We're on like a, a very like old school, a lower low campsite where they refuse <laughs> to speak. They <laughs> refuse to speak English. Um, I pull up and the first thing I say to John is like, oh, mate, you've, you've booked a cracker beer. Look at that swimming pool. So I get my shorts on. I'm thinking, you know, we've just lost 2-1 to England, right? I'm going to have a couple of beers, have a little swim by there. First thing is I go to go in the swimming pool. A woman appears. No, 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 no. And then she's screaming at me and she's like, no, you can't go in there. Basically starts holding up a pair of budgie, budgie smugglers to me. Um, you couldn't go in the swimming pool unless you had a pair of them. <laughs> I don't know. It was like a hygiene thing. Apparently, you can't wear shorts. Um, so we Fucking just, hell. yeah, we were there. We were trapped there, I should say, for two days. Um, we just, nobody would speak to us. It was just no atmosphere. Um, even my best mate says to this day, that was the worst decision. Because we just, you know, when you really go into mourning, we really like soaked that <laughs> England defeat up. It was, and we sat there miserable for two days. Um, and then, you know, to put a good spin on it, we went down to Russia and there was all that all that stuff going on about the ultras and the fighting. Um, mm-hmm. And we were absolutely papping them, I'm not going to lie to you. So we parked the car uh, where we needed to. We worked out escape routes because um, just didn't want to get involved. You know, I got the family, got the band, um, just didn't want to get involved in all that trouble. Um, 
but what an occasion it ended up being. It was just wow. I mean, I remember being in our stadium in Toulouse and the sun was going down. It was almost like a Coliseum stadium. And the way we played football was just like, that was one of the best games I've ever, ever seen Wales play football. Tore and them apart that game, right? It was 3-0. Uh, it, was the way yeah. the, it was the way we were, we, we were playing like Brazil. You know, like that old saying, hey, we're like Brazil. Um, we were genuinely, the, the, we were untouchable. It was incredible, boys. It was just like, to go from that ultra low to that massive high, um, and I, I remember my buddy, it didn't quite happen, but he was like, if Vox scores, I'll strip, because um, he's a massive <laughs> Vox, Vox fan. But no, it was just such a good game. And the passing, um, the atmosphere, you're down the south of France. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're through. I mean, you know, we're, we're thinking that would have been the end when we were looking at that group, you know, Slovakia, England, Russia. Okay, well, worst comes to worst. At least we get the experience of going to the Euros um, and, and really sapping it in. But no, we've come out and we're, we're top of the group, like, do you know what I mean? So incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. And, and, then, and from that point, it was a bit like, who, who was the second, who was the first round qualifier after that? It was Northern Ireland. Northern yeah, Northern Ireland, Ireland. which was a really drab game. <laughs> well, we hadn't. Yeah, it was terrible. Absolutely, and and that's all you One heard was. It, I think. Yeah, what was it? What was their yeah. dude's name? Will? What's his name? Will? Oh, um, uh, Welsh Will Greg? What is his name? Will Greg? That's it. Will yeah. Greg? Will Greg's on fire? Oh, yeah. boys, ninety yeah, minutes. That's all you could hear. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. They didn't have any other songs. It was just ninety <laughs> minutes of he's on. That's all fire. you need, though. Yeah. <laughs> just that one song is all you need, I suppose. It's a cracker. Uh, oh. It only applies in Wigan, apparently. Well, well, this is the part of the trip where you've got to think. We we think we're home at this point. Wales weren't supposed to go on. Um, so it was magical. We came on. We picked up our our boys. So I managed to take my boy over to Paris, uh, watch the Northern Ireland. Because at worst, we bought them one ticket. Because we thought if we do manage to scrape through the group, we'll we'll only ever have the you know, the last 16, like, you know, so we, we managed to get the kids over, watched, watched that game, which was phenomenal, amazing experience for him. Um, and then you, like you said, it was such a crap game, but we scraped through. Um, and then the next thing, you know, we're up against Belgium in the quarterfinals and we're like, okay, right. How do we plan this one? How are we doing this one? So we work out all the travel arrangements, um, and then we get back over there and we're, we're even saying on the way over, well, it's been a great competition, I can't fault them. You know, they played amazing, amazing experiences. Um, and then we go 1-0 down, I think it was. Yeah, it was a Nangalan, like, thunderbolt oh. from about 30 oh. yards out. And yeah. you could just kind of think at that point, like, mm, okay, maybe this is the end for Wales, but... I but think no. you <laughs> I think you find there was a lot of Welsh supporters even clapping for that goal because it was just like, wow, that's... that's it was that's, a wicked hit. Yeah, and, and that Belgium team, boys, it's I don't fierce. know if you feel... Fierce. They're so underachieved. They've so massively, yeah. hugely that year. That was, I think, that's all at the feet there was, of Mark there was Wilmots as well. De Bruyne was playing, yeah. Lukaku, De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku. Company. You've got Nine Galan in their company. Uh, it was only that back three of <laughs> Company, Vermaal, and Vertonghen. I think were like a, the the base of the Alderweireld, yeah, Courtois in goal. It's a fucking insane Belgium eleven, and Wilmots just could not get it right tactically, and they end up crashing out. Um, yeah, man. I mean, but, everybody gets England shit around. for under underachieving. That Belgium team, 
should have dominated everything for you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's that's like honestly, that's like my second team. I know that sounds mad, just because of the the players that play from. They're they're phenomenal. They're um, absolutely yeah. Individually phenomenal together, they're absolute bag of shite. It's it's mad, isn't it? It's <laughs> fucking mad. Well, that, that was the England feeling for a long time, but genuinely, the bag of shite feeling is is usually it's usually more than more than more than a, a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's what I mean. A lot of people kind of slagged off the England team for having that golden generation, but that Belgium team is like. Fuck, that's like mixing all your, your decades of the best players, putting them into one team. It's it's just like that was a golden team to mm. me. Watching them in the qualifiers and stuff like that, you could see it go into shit, but you're you're always thinking, Oh, do you know what? I tell you what, on this Euros, they're gonna come alight, they're gonna if they've dominate. Got the players, they've got the they've got the chance, sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If they click, if that team clicked at at any one point during that tournament, they could have gone on and won the whole thing. Especially when you see who did win it. Yeah, like and the way a, it was a, won a as well. Average, yeah, like a quite a dour Portugal side. Yeah. That Belgium team really could have, could have, you know, done some damage. But like, I think we were going to ask, so, so kind of, what was your like favorite city venue or game or anything like that throughout the tournament? But it I'm would, guessing this was it, right? It would be that because that <laughs> yeah. was the game where you thought you were going out, and who would know that? They're like the next thing you know, you know, you got Williams and 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 like going back to the previous story, Vogue scored. My mate takes his top did off. He, did he? Yeah. Did he get naked? Well, no, he took his top <laughs> off. Um, uh, and we, I think we were caught on like Sky Sports, like a screenshot of a mate. Um, but yeah, it was just such that Robson Carno goal, boys. The, the, yeah, the phenomenal. The turn. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. And I was there in the corner when it happened, and you can't explain it because you you know the score when you go and watch a football match. The excitement, you're you're out of your seat. You are out of your seat, and just everything just worked for us. And you're walking out the stadium, going, "Fuck, we're fuck, we're in the semi final. We're going to win this. We're going to go all the way." Um, so that mentality of Oh well, it's you know every game. It doesn't matter. We're we're here for a great time. That was it. That was it. Was kind of bittersweet. That was because it was the moment where you expect Wales to win the 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 Euros. Like you know, um, you completely forget of what they've achieved or achieved at their level. Because you know, there's there's a lot of players in the Championship. Like you know what yeah. I mean. So Ma- ma- probably mainly right. Other than like Aaron Ramsey, Robson and- Canoe was there. Gunter was in the Championship at yeah. that point. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was yeah, Johnny yeah. Williams. Yeah, man. And then the 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 last game, the semi final, was just it was just a catastrophe from the start. We flew over, um, seen old Peter Schmeichel in the airport, which uh, made my day. Really? That was yeah, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just you get seen, selfie. No, there was too many people around him. It was just kind of cool to see him in the distance and go, "Wow, Christ, that's that's a legend!" Like you know, that's somebody who grew up watching every week. Um, and then. We went over with a few bandmates, um, or, or should I say people in the music world. Um, one in particular who was more of a rugby fan. He hadn't really gone into the whole football world, but we started drinking way too early. Um, so, yeah, it was it was the more more lager-lout kind of game. Um, so by the time we actually got to the game, we were steaming in a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was bizarre. Like it was honestly, it was like, it was like an. Like af- the last days of Rome. <laughs> oh, honestly, man. I mean, it was a, what a way to end it. When I think back, um, you know, my mate broke. I think he broke his leg because um, he was yet again had a few. <laughs> yeah, he broke his leg. Um, fell over. 
Um, my other mate um, had like really bad, uh, like uh, not like leg problems because we were dehydrated and we were we were delayed on a plane. It was just one of those like proper horrendous but funny memory of of like a, a last chapter. Do you know what I mean? Of how we went over there. We completely. It was the first game where we'd absolutely got smashed. Um, and then to top it off, the two people who score are like Man United legends, like or Man United former players, like do you know what I mean? So because obviously Nani and um, Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Oh, Nani yeah. scored today. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always knew Ronaldo would pop up, and and I hated him for that. It's, it's mad, isn't it? Being a Man United fan, I was like, ah oh, man, why are you against Wales? You, you're greedy, <laughs> like you you can have everything. Just just let us have this one game, like do you know what I mean? But. <laughs> Yeah, but it was a great, such a great summer, boys. Honestly, it was um, tremendous, like absolutely phenomenal. Like, well, I mean, this year it's not decided yet, is it? But there's every chance the Euros is going to be in the UK. Am I right? Am I right? Am I wrong? I think England have bid for it, so yeah. it could well be that it happens, and which makes it nice and easy for travel if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. You can get to and from Wembley and wherever else they decide to host the games. That would be, I don't know, it'd be nice if it's close to home. Yeah, I mean, I had tickets to go and watch him in Milan. Did you? Um, I'm yeah. absolutely de- devastated. My boy and my best mate, yet again, um, John, who, who, who kind of I went around the Euros with, uh, were going to come and meet me up in Bradford. I would have been on tour with the Crows. Um, and they were going to come and meet me in Bradford. We were going to go and fly from, I think, Manchester, go over to Milan and go and watch the game and then fly back and then meet back up with the band a day later, like, do you know what I mean? So um, we had it all scheduled and obviously the world went to shit. So, um, but yeah, massive, <laughs> massive, massive Welsh uh, supporter and any any game I can go and see him, um, even away, um, but especially home. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just always there, like, you know. Okay, so um, yeah, how about we start to kind of pick through your 11 a bit? You got any initial thoughts on kind of formation or playing style or anything like that that you want to explain beforehand or just want to click straight in yeah man i mean it's 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 quite a ballsy one as i've been told uh especially when i <laughs> especially when i sent it over to the manager he was like oh that's that's a bit ballsy like do you know what i mean um yes yeah, so a three three five two um that's what i've kind of gone for but there's okay. loads of ways to play that um because you'll see when i kind of go through the team that certain players can drop back it can it can change it can become four three three um there's just loads there's just you know there's there's kind of a running theme of of discipline vision um but more 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 importantly a team that would like kick your ass like do you know what i mean as in they're, they're quite <laughs> yeah. a quite a you know when i start kind of running through the names you you're gonna think well, twice some, about going there's some personality in it yeah man it's definitely one of those where you wouldn't go in for a 50 50 challenge you'd have to go in 100 percent, or mm-hmm. you'd probably lose a limb like you know or you wouldn't get in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's start with the goalkeeper, shall we? Yeah, this was a really hard one for me, boys. I don't know if you've had it throughout your, your episodes, but um, obviously I know you've got the rule where you can only pick three um, <laughs> per club. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to fall on Buffon, which isn't a bad fall on. Um, Not at all. Ju- he's just up there, isn't he? Like, he's just one of the best goalkeepers in the world of all time, I think. Um, I would agree. Highly strong, fast commands his area. Um, 
everything you want um, from a captain as well. Like, you mm. know, he's he's definitely one of those goalkeepers who isn't a mute. Not can, shy. Can... Yeah, not shy. Yeah, and definitely looks like, you know, if 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 a meal went the wrong way, you you'd have a bottle of red flying at you, like you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's about Buffon that you see. He obviously comes up a lot on this podcast purely because he is he's been there for ages, for years and years and years. A consistent throughout football has always been the presence of Gianluigi Buffon, like at the forefront of you know the top one, two, three, four goalkeepers in Europe in the world. So that's kind of, I think that's why everyone, kind of, like, there, there's been a few people that have just gone, oh, I've just gone for Buffon. That's not the per- the, like, the worst person to just lump for because he is one of the best goalkeepers of all time. And <laughs> so. he's like the, I think like he's the benchmark, isn't he, in Italy? Like, and that's the thing with Italian keepers. When they're good, they're great. Mm. And he, yeah, he's set off the chain of one of many to come after that probably don't get the, maybe the recognition they deserve because he was so good. No, there's going to be a, a, a huge list of keepers in Italy since what uh, since the late 90s that should have got more caps than they did mm, purely yes. because they're stuck behind <laughs> possibly one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time and then you know you're just kind of left cursing your luck like I could have had 60 odd caps if it mm. wasn't for <laughs> being behind an absolute legend yeah never won the Champions League but at least he's won the World Cup you know like there is always yeah. that <laughs> yeah we're recording this podcast sort of a week after they've Juve got dumped out again from the Champions League it just seems like it's never going to happen for him it's going to I think it's going to be the one trophy that evades him maybe which is a shame really oh well yeah I suppose there is that he'll get the Juve job when Perla gets sacked I reckon (laughs) (laughs) do you think he's he's one of those goalkeepers as well you know when your team goes up against a specific goalkeeper you always you always fancy the goalkeeper or you're always worried about your whether it be your striker on a Mm. penalty or something do you know what I mean he's always got that that edge um, psychologically, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Looks yeah. like a brick wall. Yes. <laughs> yes. Looks like he's very difficult to beat. You're already your team's already one nil up if you've got Buffon in it, right? Yes, man. Well, that's what I was going for anyway. <laughs> and then, so back three. Do you want to? Yeah. You want to choose the the first one? Are you, is it like you've gone three centre backs, but or you have you gone? No, it, it's it's a weird one. I'll I'll name all three, but because there's a reason for it. There's kind of a debate within it, but there's a reason within it. I've gone for Maldini, Paolo Maldini. I've gone for Roberto Carlos, and I've gone for Poyol in the in the middle of them. Um, I mean, either way, it's that kind of formation thing that I was on about to you guys earlier. If you needed to to spread out, uh, because I know Maldini's a left back, I know Roberto Carlos is, but they're just two players that I couldn't ignore growing up. Um, two players I obsessed with as defenders. I wasn't really into defenders a lot, um, but those guys were just phenomenal. There used to be a thing called Scorio, um, which I said, oh, which yeah. Was, yeah, like an S4C, and it used to cover mm-hmm. like European football. Scorio! And then, you, you, you know, as a Welshman, I couldn't understand a word that they were saying. Um, <laughs> but what was cool about it was you had all the Liga and you had um, Serie A. Um, That's something I learned about that recently is that they had some strange kind of either they were like out of the loop or they just had this really strange TV deal where they just had the rights to everything at some point. And it just meant that like if you were in Wales, you had this access to like a lot of European football that wasn't available in in England or just like wasn't as easy accessible so that must have been great to just have that there do you know I didn't know that that's a really cool fact I think it's something to do with like the rights issue where they just seem to have you know they just bought the rights to a load of stuff for quite cheap 
I think I'm right in saying that. I might be completely wrong. Who fucking knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that, that makes sense because obviously I had Sky kind of growing up with um, like your Andy Andy Gray and Richard Keys, um, and then like you had Eurosport and stuff, but you never see La Liga or you'd never see Serie A. Uh, it was always like Scorio. I think it was on like a Sunday afternoon or a morning or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, that's where you got to see the greats, like your Ravenelli's or, um, you know, just phenomenal players. But Maldini was just like, just watching him. He always seemed like he, he would have a player in his pocket before he even went on the attack. He would know <laughs> his move. Um, <laughs> it, it was just such, and so disciplined. Like a lot of defenders, we all know are hot-headed, but he seemed to have the the, the full, um, you know, everything you want, that leadership plus mm just tactician in his brain like you could see he'd always make the run before the striker it's almost like he'd mirror him or it's as if he'd study who he was who he was kind of playing against do you know what i mean um and then kind of re- knows where the ball is going before the attacker gets there that kind of thing yeah man just like just a defender An insane ability to read the game like <laughs> yeah yeah there's some brutes like obviously i grew up watching premier league probably same as you guys um but Maldini was just somebody that I always wished would come to Man United. Like, you know, he was like, oh, I wish we'd sign him. Or if I ever had a dream team, I'd love Maldini in it. Um, just because yeah, like Dennis said, Irwin isn't getting in the team if Maldini's there, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Irwin stapled to the bench for as long as Maldini's contract runs. Yeah. <laughs> and and the same with Payol. He's, he's just like, I hope I'm saying that right. Payol, Payol, Payol is it? Carlos Puyol, 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 yeah, Puyol. yeah, yeah. 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 Puyol, yeah. Just, just a brute, really, and he's kind of done it all. Um, yet again, another leader, uh, another strong character in the dressing room. Um, Two defenders, like Maldini and Puyol, that if they were in today's game, would be. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know how it would translate, but they, the, especially the mentalities that they had, and like the old style defending, big, big units, and fucking commanding, like just bossing everything be just the ultimate professionals as well like really quite quiet personalities but big on the pitch so like i think matt you brought this up before is where like carlos puyo would consistently pick up players like sergio Busquets when they're rolling around on the field Mm. so no 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 the game's still going get the fuck up like that kind of thing like just just pulling pulling his teammates around with him and just kind of controlling the game yeah I love that, man. Um, do you remember, like, corners watching him as well, boys, where you, you don't see centre-backs grabbing their players, their own players anymore, and pushing them into place. <laughs> yeah. It's You're like, here. Yeah, it seems Mark like... Every- this guy, is your job. Him go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and you know what I mean? It's like everyone's now... Oh, you go to your training, you, you, you look at your whiteboards, You everybody has their roles, everyone looks at their laminates, but you need a player like that to go... What the fuck are you doing by there? Mm. Fucking get on, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and man, man wrestling them around the, and that's their own men, you know, and, and commanding that um, you're not doing good enough, like, do you know what I mean? Rather than, oh, well, he's doing what he's told on the sheet, um, and that's, that's what he's got to do, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows what's on the whiteboards nowadays? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> your, um, your midfield is ex- like, it's an extremely interesting midfield. There's a lot of play. Like, go. I think from you've kind of picked a you, you've picked a central defensive midfielder, and then you've got kind of four in front. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just just legend after legend after legend in this midfield here. I think you may yeah, be the well, first got... person to pick this holding midfielder. 
Yeah, it's um, he had to be picked. Come on, it, I mean, it was a hard one because it's the whole Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, but it was mm-hmm. yet again, you know. I'm glad you boys give me the the the, the task of not choosing more than three. Well, it just um, it, you just picked the United team, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, yeah, or the or you know, like the Arsenal Invincibles, or yeah. you know, what I mean? it's just like yeah. the but, Wales yeah. 2016 squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was tempted. I was tempted, <laughs> but yeah, Patrick Vieira, he's he's just aggressive. Yet again, the the box to box mannerism, um, part of the Invincibles, he can hold up um, in that center and center uh, defensive midfield position um, and control it. Step back if he needed to to help the defense move forward. Um, just what a player, boys. Absolutely outstanding player. He was someone that just seemed to glide across the pitch. Like when I was growing up, Arsenal was such a cool club. I was always quite jealous of some of my friends that supported Arsenal because they had players like Patrick Vieira, Mark Overmars, Thierry Henry, Emmanuel, even like Manuel Petit with just his like really nice shiny ponytail. They were always such a really cool club. And Vieira was like, are consistent in that he always just looked like again just someone that completely controls whatever football field he's on and he just you know the way that he sort of bounded from one box to the other and he would like finish off a move and like slide the ball into the bottom corner he was such a, a graceful player i love patrick but also <laughs> really glad imposing very imposing yeah yeah his um has anyone seen the um the Keane versus Vieira documentary that was on ITV sort of years back. They just kind of sat down yeah. opposite each other. Mate, that's it's fantastic television. <laughs> the the way that like I think the producers kind of just showed them clips and they just allowed them to have these conversations of like how did you know the the fight in the tunnel between United and Arsenal, I think it's Pizza Gate where Fabregas threw pizza at Ferguson and stuff like that. It was just like, okay, talk us through what happened here. And you just had like both of them just being quite honest and candid about their in like battled rivalry throughout their careers it was such yeah fucking great tv that <laughs> such a good thing to do with two players that have recently retired sit them down let them talk about their games with each other <laughs> you don't see that much now or do you do you know what i mean that's yet again i want that for messi and ronaldo yes. that's what i want yes. i want two of them to sit down and just be like look just discuss the right because they don't talk about like you never hear Ronaldo talk about Messi that often. You never hear Messi talk about Ronaldo in the public eye anyway. I want them to sit down in the same room and just like have dinner and then just <laughs> kind of film it, film their conversation. And like, dinner with you know, the goats. Yeah, you know, yeah. just like, oh, it was it was great when, you know, you, you scored a hat trick this weekend and then I was like, right, I'm going to go out and score four the next day. That kind of, you know, push-pull kind of, look, you made me a better player kind of thing. That's what I want to see. I want to see these players have conversations with each other, <laughs> which you just don't get. I agree. I agree. Right. And then on you well, should we do your centre mids or should we do your wingers? Just do your um, centre do your centre mids, then your wingers, and then your centre attacking midfielder. I mean centre mids, they're quite I don't know if you guys agree, they're quite similar. I've gone mm. for Scholes and Zidane. Um Just... which that that might kind of piss off a lot of people saying they're similar, but to me they are. I mean you've got the awareness, you've got the vision, you've got the passing. Um, you got I don't the think Zidane would mind playing next to Skulls. <laughs> Fuck! Can you imagine that? Or oh my god! Like or you know, I know we all talk about dream teams. Is it is it too much in a team? Do you know what I mean? But no. for me, I think that's that's quality to sit those two in front of Vieira. Um, and yet again, Skulls could kind of drop back, let Vieira plow through, um, and as you said earlier, slickly glide the ball into the net or or that that little soft pass through. 
Um, but yet again, those three kind of linking up is just, it's aggression, isn't it? You know what I mean? You might not even see the defence because um, it's just like three solid players with phenomenal technique, like, you know? And vision. You're not getting through the middle of the midfield, are you really? <laughs> if you're in the opposition, you're not dribbling through the centre of the park here. And, and Zidane, another player, I mean, I could go on and on about Paul Scholes. I, I just think he's, I think he's fucking incredible. I just think he's so underrated um, in, in certain pundits' eyes. Like, you know, a lot of them will say he's great, but, but and they'll say but, and then they'll name other players. Mm. I just think Paul Scholes was like... It's that shrouded, he, shrouded, well, that shrouded conversation of Gerald or Lampard, but Scholes. Yeah. Yeah. He stuck him out in the wing, man. Yeah. Um, no, put him, put him in the centre. That's where he like he liked to get at it, and he, you know, he's great on the first touch. He was his vision was phenomenal. Um, his aggression for his size, um, and the same with Zidane boys. Yet again, I'm is a link here with the Scorio thing. I remember seeing Zidane playing and going, "Wow, who is this?" Um, and just the elegance of his touch, or the way he would kind of just control that midfield area or push forward. Um, and I kind of remember, where, I think he was playing alongside like Ravinelli. I think I said it earlier. It was just a Juventus side that I remember watching when I was younger and going, oh, these are fucking incredible. These are, <laughs> these are incredible. Um, so much so, I bought the shirt, I think. Do you know what oh, I mean? Have you still got it? Oh, my mum sold all my old oh, football shirts at a car boot. Um, I could kick her ass, love her. But um, she didn't realise I moved out, obviously. Um, and she was like, oh, he doesn't wear these anymore. And honestly, oh. I had them all. I had the old school Juventus top, um, Inter Milan, AC Milan. Um, some of them are knockoffs when you go on holiday and you're like, oh, cool, the Barcelona shirt. And then you come home and Stoichkoff is washed off. Like, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, honestly. Even a knockoff nowadays, a knockoff like knockoff old football shirts. So some of them are worth pretty pennies. Yeah, man. Well, I got an old Lazio shirt with um, oh man, oh, I've blanked now. The he was a, he was a bald bald player. Um, Veron. What was his name? Veron. Juan Sebastian Veron. No, no, no. A little bit older. Um, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, lab. I, I want to say begin with L then. I'm gonna press that bored Lazio player. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, that'll drive me nuts. I will. Um, yeah, just remember watching him. Yeah, Attilio g- Lombardo. That's my boy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really intrigued because he looked fucking super old because he was bald, and everybody mm. else looked like yeah, yeah, like Italian, you know, full hair and everything. And there's this Lombardo, but he was a cracking player back in the day. But yeah, I remember having a a knock Played off for Palace for a bit. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, just remember having an old school shirt on holiday, Lazio top. So, and even um, FC Porto and stuff like that. I remember collecting and, um, but yeah, they were all like you know turkey or canary specials when you go to the markets. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd kept some of mine from when I was younger, but sort of same thing. Just got rid of them, but don't realise that now, old football shirts. Wowie, it's like a whole mm. little. Worth a pretty penny. A whole little niche, yeah, niche like ecosystem in itself. My wife did find uh, when we were clearing out uh, one of the rooms in the house during lockdown, we found like I must have been about, I don't know what the year was for this shirt, but do you remember the old Man United shirt with the stadium on the front? Oh, yeah, I think that's like nine. 
95-ish, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know which one you're on. I've got that. I've managed to find that. I don't know where it oh, came wicked. from. Um, really bad Huxford number eight on the back. Um, <laughs> yeah, like really bad. It was like when somebody had, you know, knock off companies or your local shops started printing on backs of shirts. But it wasn't like today where it's like Premier League or um, or you got the little logos. It's like proper old school iron on Huxford number eight. Um, but yeah, what a, what, a, what a gorgeous shirt. I was looking at it going, oh, that's a stunner that was. <laughs> um, let's, have a, let's have a look at your wingers, shall we? Uh, the one and only uh, Mr. Ryan Giggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've talked about him before. Um, I just think he's, he, he's the full package. I mean, he lasted until, I don't know whether, did he decide to retire or was he asked nicely to retire? Because... I think it must have been his yeah. decision because I wasn't think we it when did he... talk about his appearance record was almost at a thousand and like wasn't it when he went from didn't somebody get sacked and didn't Moyes get sacked and Giggs went from playing to coach to he did a yeah manager? he did take over for like the last few games didn't he because there's that um, yeah the infamous sort of managerial speech he did but it was just like I know he's Wales manager now or well I think he's on Gardlin leave for a bit isn't he because of Oh yeah, legal issues. But um, he took over the. Uh, I think it was a, a pre-match speech for United before Norwich, which was just really quite dull and humdrum. And it kind <laughs> of did the rounds a little bit. It was like, oh wow. Um, so yeah, he did. He was caretaker manager for a bit, wasn't he? And then he was assistant to uh, Van Hal, I think. He's definitely somebody I wouldn't want to go out for a beer with. Because um, I think <laughs> it's exactly what you said there. You'd be like. I don't know, you'd just be you'd be struggling, wouldn't you, to get a conversation. He always just seems very, like you said, dull, dry. Um, I hope he's not. I mean, he could be a hell of a crack, like, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, playing-wise, I mean, right back from the, the early 90s, I remember him coming into the Man United team and, you know, posters on walls, all, all that vibe. And he was just, like, he was he was incredible. And, and even up until he finished, man, it was still hard to bring a youngster through because Giggs, he still had... He still had it. <laughs> he still had it. Like, yeah. it was like, there was that game. I think it was the Schalke quarter, like quarter final in the Champions League. I think Giggs scored both, and he's like thirty-five or something, and just mm. bossed the game. Did a hell of a job of like reinventing himself, didn't he? Yeah, because he was this like nippy winger that could that just had bags and bags of pace, like for days, and could just run and run and run. Then when that went away, he just kind of calmly slotted himself into midfield and began dictating the game and like <laughs> just never seemed to lose a step because he just effortless, effortlessly went from one area of the pitch to another and kept his place in the side it was like a great example of someone just reinventing themselves as they get a bit older do you remember he, do you remember when he was like playing on the wing as well boys he used to do that like tap touch thing he'd like mm. kick the ball slightly in front and if a defender didn't get it right fuck they i'm surprised he never had his legs broke do you know what i mean because he always <laughs> used to do that because it was he was so fast wasn't he of that yeah. time like you know he was so like a whip it <laughs> down the left hand side just an absolute whip it like a greyhound yeah <laughs> um but yeah and then on on the other wing uh gareth bale um another so, welsh legend <laughs> another welsh legend um you know, with all this team, like this, this has been such a fun task for me to do. Um, I, I had like three or four players where you just keep revolving them around, and why have I put them in, or what mm. am I going to talk about them? But it's the whole Euro 216. It's every time he picks up a Welsh shirt, I don't really care what he does club level for what he does for my my country. 
Um, the passion is there. Even when he's off and you think, oh, do you know what? He needs to go off at the moment because he's not quite doing it or he hasn't got that, that spring in his step. You still see the passion is there. He's still leading from the front, um, which is kind of like the majority of the players I've picked for this team. They're all... Like you said earlier, they're, they're independent leaders. They're, they're strong characters, like, you know, and, and I think Gareth Bale got that, plus the pace, plus the, I mean, Christ, look look away, you know, you put a, a free kick down, there's a good chance that's going in a net, like, you know? Mm. <laughs> it, it, that the His prime years at Tottenham, I think, and then obviously his first few at Real Madrid, it was that element with Bale where it's like, oh, he is going to try this. Oh, and he's just done it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like some of the goals he scored for Tottenham from the outside of the box, that one like against West Ham, he, you know he knows he's got it in him with with a good yeah. with a good shot. He knows there has to be a shot, and he's just like right. Well, from this far out, it's fine. Oh, top corner, just welly it. There's yeah. there's one against Southampton where um I think the first time that Luke Shaw kind of came to prominence for them, he was like one of the best left backs in the league, and then he came up against Gareth Bale, I think, and tried to track him. And Gareth Bale kind of cut in from the inside and finished from like 30 yards out or something like that. And then Luke Shaw got tweeted afterwards like, why didn't you stop him from doing that? And Luke Shaw was just like, I couldn't. Like publicly just saying, I couldn't catch him. <laughs> like it was just one of those things. The first time I noticed Luke Shaw was when he's like quote tweeting something about himself. that I just couldn't catch Gareth Bale. I'm sorry. I tried to stop him. I couldn't. Like, it was something about Gareth Bale where just... It was inevitable that the ball was going in that year. But also, he's so he's flying the flag for for Welsh football as well. I feel like Gareth Bale emerging sort of sprung to life this sort of young Welsh generation of players that are now sort in sort of like coming up in the world. Like not long after Bale, obviously set his set his mark. Like David Brooks is coming through, isn't he? I think there's um, what's his name, Rabi Matondo. Like yeah. there's a yeah. few young young Welsh lads like really like Ethan Ampadu. Ethan Ampadu. Like they'll get better. And as football technically gets better, Wales like you know it's small small countries have great teams. What if in ten years Wales have got a very, very good team? It's possible. So possible. It is um, um we we haven't fallen under a manager for a while now, um who set who tends to go for the reliable guard. Um, do you know what I mean? It's just mm. like those names. I I, I kind of don't want to put anybody under the bus, but it's that that whole. I don't know the generation of or hearts and has to go up front. Never mind if there's right. a younger player who might mm. do better. It, it's almost like, well, he's kind of like the star player because he plays in the Premier League, mm. or you know what I mean. It was such a, a yeah. I, we're such a weird nation where, like I said, we're not gifted with many players who play in the Premier League, but now you've got like Dan James coming through as well, yeah. where, oh man, I mean, you know, I want to see him do more for Man United, do you know what I mean? Um, I still think his game isn't quite there, but wow, what an impact he can have, like, you know, um, and playing around Bale, like I said, with, I think with a Gareth Bale in your team, Aaron Ramsey. he can just, uh, yeah, they can just make a moment. Mm. Um, I think, I actually think, I don't know if you boys agree, Ramsey going, um, out to Italy is a great move. I think that'll that'll up his game. I, I think tremendously. I mean, like, he's you been know? playing a lot, hasn't he? And I guess for somebody like like we say, like Perlo, to want to pick him as well and play him consistently is is a good thing, for sure. Like you never think. Do you ever? I don't know. I just never feel like. I guess that's because I've never really experienced it. But players, British players, going and playing abroad and it going well is not a common occurrence. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. quite few and far between, aren't they? Really? Yeah. I think maybe Sancho is the the standout, and that other than like Beckham, oh, he's Owen. a prime example at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Owen uh, was a flop, um, but yeah. <laughs> Get your point. Yeah, Owen was a flop. Man, We're gonna have to edit that out, aren't we? Yeah. Man, oh, man, El, man. El Maca. El Maca was one. Yeah. Yeah, Steve McManaman. I just remember that clip of Lineker saying as soon as Johan Cruyff turned up at Barcelona, that was the end of him. And it was like that precedent <laughs> of, you know. So, but yeah. Um, and then moving on to the centre attacking midfielder, Ronnie. We've already mentioned him. Eric Cantona. Uh, yet again, I think the, the arrogance and the the style of his play would, would gel great with this with, with his team like you know it's um and and yet again a player that i grew up and you just can't help but admire um a mean kick on him as you boy said um so he's got a, another temper um but yeah i just think yet, yet again it just would be rude to leave him out there were so many players i was thinking of yet again but i just wanted to keep it kind of old school and more i don't know the players that really excited me um yeah and that's yeah. what it's about that's, that's, what, that's, that's what makes a good conversation of it if you can pick a player that excites you or like that you've fallen in love with that's where the conversation comes I think because otherwise you're just like yeah this player's good so he's going in and then that's where it kind of that's it, it's, it stops there yeah, <laughs> but at least if you've got the kind of backstory behind players like Eric Cantona and you know like Paul Scholes and Zidane and Bale especially Bale yeah <clears throat> there's, well, uh, there's just so much more to talk about it was just that whole you got like whether it be your local park or your local green and I just like I said like I said earlier you just put your football shirt on and I just remember pulling up the collars I don't know how many <laughs> kids did that back then but you just pull up the collars because that's that's your your idol like you know that's your role mm. model um and you just wanted to be like Cantona or you wanted to score a goal or do you remember like he scored like some of those like was it against Leeds and um uh, that that one where he kind of t- takes it down and and volleys it um, I, I remember me and the boys used to go over and try and like, I don't know, replica goals like that or the Tony yeah. Tony Yaboa goal and oh. stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the crossbar smasher, that one. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, God. man. Yeah, 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 yeah. finish. Old school like soccer AM style. You go over the park. You'd be like, right, throw me the ball. No, a little bit less. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't see goals as perfectly, like as perfectly constructed like that because obviously the ball's bounced up off of like a ricochet right and he's just run onto it full pelt and smashed it leathered it leathered oh. it you don't see goals like that anymore and to be and for it for him to like have maintained that speed before the ball then through the ball then after the ball because as soon as he's blinked it's gone in it's like wow that must have what a goal what a goal um, and right your striker yes this was an odd one. Um, really? Yeah, before you before you name one. him, who was in contention? Who didn't get it? Alan Shearer. Mm. Um, just because of that year, especially like, oh, I, I, I didn't say I, I, I cried, but I was getting it with the old SAS. You remember Shearer and Sutton? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of, they won the Premier League that year, stopped Man United winning it. Um Oh, other strikers, obviously your Messi's, um, which w- which would have been more obvious. Um, I, I, yeah, there was there was loads where I was kind of like R- Ronaldo, as in um, oh, I don't want to say fat Ronaldo, but you know what I mean. Because um, <laughs> yeah. oh, the nine. <laughs> yeah, uh, the old school Brazilian. Just because of when he came on the scene, it was like, oh man, what a striker. Um, 
Benzema. Always been a fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that's a, that's I know that's a left wing, but I don't no, know no, why. No, no, just... so, they were talking about him the other day on uh, on BBC, um, saying how he's sort of been overshadowed by all these Galacticos that Real Madrid have had across the years, but he's consistently year on year performed, and now he's still there, actually carrying them, um, and how he's sort of been undervalued his entire career, and he's. You know, if if you asked you if you asked people who their top ten strikers would be, Benzema would probably not get close to a mention for the simple fact that he's not, a, not been a, not that he's not been allowed, but just sort of been barred from building this reputation up as a world class player. Oh, such a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Such, well, so... I mean, happens, eh? It, How's it he going to compete with Ronaldo? Well, exactly, and and yeah. we're in such a, a rich generation of strikers, but. Everybody still talks about Ronaldo and Messi. That's mm. you just hit the nail on the on on the head there. It's um, you know, years ago, strikers were standing out all over the shop, weren't they? Like you know, if somebody went on form for a season, it'd be all about them. Like you know, um, yeah. Uh, was the Newcastle lad boys, uh, Andy Carroll? Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that kind of went wayward, didn't it? Like but... one good season, thirty-five million. <laughs> but that's the thing in the Premier League, wasn't it? It was like if somebody hit it hot, like um, Andy Cole. I remember when he was smashing them in um, and then obviously came to Man United. He didn't have a bad one. Um, but it's just that whole... It's almost for the moment in, in the Premier League, isn't it? Um, where in Spain, as we all know, or should I say world football, it's, it's all about Ronaldo and, and Messi. So, yeah, there was there was loads in contention um, and, and reasons why and, and not because of the, the size or stories behind them. Um, but the guy I went for, it, it's just, it's got to be Thierry Henry. Um, I'm not even an Arsenal fan. Um, this Van uh, Van Persie, I wanted to choose as well because I, I love him. But Thierry Henry was just like, I don't know, he's just got the, the slick skill. Um, yet again, strong personality and football in brain. Um, I don't know where he rates with you boys. but No, he was in my team, like, believe me. Oh, that's good to know. That is. Yeah. Um, I just like I say when you've got a stack of names, I was like, oh, if I name this one, why why is he better than any of them? It's not that he's better. Um, it's not he's better. He's just like for the team I formed by there, and especially like if we're talking about memories. I didn't like Arsenal. Uh, wasn't a big fan of Arsenal growing up um, or Liverpool, um, but it was just the fact of you couldn't ignore him. Um, and you couldn't ignore that team at that that specific time. Like, you know, it was just, it was magical. Um, the goals, the the, the builder play. Um, and yet again, now he's become a pundit. It's like, he seems to be on point with what he talks about. Do you know what I mean? He's not, I don't know. He's not trying to be too over entertaining. He's just mm. kind of on the mark of, because he knows his shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. To put it bluntly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you've got a few of them. You know what I mean? They kind of go off a little bit and you're like, oh, you don't really know what he's on about, but they're all, he's kind of being too personal. Um, but Thierry Henry's just like straight to the bone. He calls it if it's amazing. If something sticks out, he's the first one to applaud it. Like, you know, it's, um, I just think he's, he's an all round phenomenal striker. Like, you know. Maybe, maybe the best striker the Premier League's seen ever seen. Oh, easily, man. I think yeah. he's he's probably. I mean, for me, he's the best player that the Premier League's ever seen. Like wow, without okay. a doubt, I think he's left the biggest imprint. If you think of 
Premier League, I always like the first player that comes to mind is just Thierry Henry in that. Um, weirdly, it's always the like the Berry Arsenal shirt with that total ninety football yes. at his feet. Like that's the indelible image of the Premier League in my head. Mm. <laughs> Whenever someone mentions Barclays Premier League, it's that. So, Love I mean, it. what a, a fucking great sort of attacking focal point for the team you put together. You couldn't have picked a better one in, <laughs> really. Is there is there a striker that you think would be close? Because I was really struggling. The only striker I could really think, but I think it's just on stats, was mm. was Alan Shearer. And yet again, Alan Shearer, I remember, you know, being younger, running with the one arm in the air. Um, yeah. But yet again, when I kind of put in the mix, I was like, oh, he just didn't blow me away as much as like Thierry Henry. Um, I always found, um, this is probably quite blasphemous, but I always found Shearer just boring. Yeah. Like yeah. I found him, he's obviously an incredible goal scorer, but I found him just very, just vanilla. Like, like yeah. he's just just a really boring player too. I, I never found him that interesting. Whereas I could watch, I could watch footage of Thierry Henry for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, I like Alan Shearer as a pundit. I actually like him as a personality now, but as a player, I always thought he was just... I don't know. You know like I say, I just thought he was a little bit dull. Um, I, I, I think I'll get shit for in that. The I, know League, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could happily say I, I didn't really like experience or don't really remember too much of like Prime Shearer. But growing up, like, I don't think we got treated to those those strikers that stayed in the Premier League for like quite a while. Like Van Nistelrooy wasn't in England for a long time, was he? Um, no, it was only about five years. Yeah. I think. yeah, and then, you know, there's. I feel like if Suarez had stayed at Liverpool for longer, it would be interesting now to see where he laid because he was. I thought he was incredible. Like, it's fucking prolific. Incredible. Wasn't it? Yeah, and I think he's a bit more of a, a contemporary name because it's a bit more recent. Real, it's not that recent, is it? He spent a long time at Barcelona, but. I think I just yeah I just can't get past Thierry Henry. That's why I struggle to suggest anybody. I mean, I picked him for my team, so I'm sort of with you there. Like, I don't think there is. I can't really think of any. The only the only player that comes close for me is someone that didn't even play in the Premier League, and that was original Ronaldo. He's yeah. Part yes. Of my favorite, well, one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. 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 Just because of the like the brute force that's behind. He's so skillful, but the brute force that is behind yeah. every single run and the fact that there's always going to be this big question mark over his head because both of his knees went and he could never be the player that he was after like 2001 mm, maybe yeah, he had yeah. this sort of redemption arc in the in the summer of 2002 when he won the world cup with brazil but after that it was just kind of it just wasn't the explosive exciting player that he was at the end of the 90s and so it's really quite painful to think about what he could have been Ad- how good he Adriana was and too. yet Oh yes, oh, yeah. Adriano oh. was incredible for yeah, like eighteen he, months, two years. Didn't he? Didn't he fall away because he had some trouble, like with his with his like um, he just had some like personal issues, and I don't think it quite worked out. Oh, for him, okay, but, like what? A, right. what a footballer. Yeah, shame. Yeah, was that he was supposedly supposed to be the first hundred million pound player when right. um, I think Chelsea tried to bid a hundred million pound for him one wow. summer, and it just didn't work out. And then obviously that record didn't get broken for like another. What was it? Paul Pogba, I think, mm. wasn't it? So like another yeah. 10, 12 years. Wow, um, I didn't know that. 
Wow. I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be. The, anyway, uh, um, the, yeah, hell of an 11. The only other person, just before we move on, Ronnie, the only other person that I could possibly think of that is worth a shout is maybe Rooney. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But this is really weird now as a Man United fan. Um, mm. I didn't even think of him. <laughs> I just, I genuinely, I didn't think of him because uh, Van Nistelrooy came into my head, but exactly... Everything you guys just said was like bang on the money. Um, I just couldn't get past certain like defaults or talking about him for a, for a reason. Um, I mean, even like Solskjaer, I, I liked him because he was like the super sub, but mm-hmm. it was like Henri, it was just so hard to get somebody up there. Um, apart from Ronaldo, as you just said, who like yeah. lit the world alight. Um, there was nobody else that I could think, wow, it was all for about number 10s for me, if anything. I was like, I could think of far more players, whether it be like Roberto Baggio or um, just so many more, like whether it be Italian or Brazilian or like the the, the more supporting striker, centre attack and midfielder. Um, but strikers, yeah, it's just, it all comes back to Henri, um, which is bizarre to say that. I mean, obviously, you know, you've still got Messi and Ronaldo, but... I kind of wanted to leave them out just because of, I don't know. This seems this seemed to be more of a an old school kind of legend team. Do you know what I mean? Mm, besides, yeah, besides sure. Bale, besides <laughs> yeah, sure. Bale, future legend, and future legend. So this is the bit where we invoke the poetic license with the three subs, and uh, you you get three choices. The obviously the concept is they're musicians that are, have influenced you and why you would translate their musical abilities over to being a footballer and they make the subs for your for your concept team so let's let's go for number one well the first one would be um just in case i needed to maybe take out one of those midfielders and bring on another striker i would bring on uh josh home queens of the stone age um he would be my cavani um quintessential target man exactly <laughs> man um because you know from what i've read or seen about him you know he's yet again he fits the bill of my mighty team but there with the aggression um very tall um you know just pick him out um hold the ball up um and let one of the midfielders carry it on and and finish it like you know i i can't see him much of a finisher although i do think he's got a good head on him like you know i can <laughs> imagine say, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he'll yeah. be he'll be a great header of the ball, I reckon. Yeah, but that real brute on a corner, or you know what I mean, real tussle with him. So, um, so yeah, he was my striker. Um, then I I picked a, a defender. Then um, would be Steve Chopper Harris uh, from Mayan Maiden. Um, but actually, <laughs> he is a he is a footballer. In, he in is. Real yeah, life. They, he's got his own. He he had trials at West Ham, right, when he was younger, and he has a football team now. Like I can't remember what they called the Maiden something mate you yes. should uh you should try and get a game against them mate uh when we do like crowcast and other stuff and interviews and uh I, I, well this is going to be no different we always call him out um we have mutual friends now um or people who who actually know him and, and know the team around him so it becomes more funnier now to say like bring it on like you know but <laughs> with, with that yeah. comes concern as well because re- honestly apparently when he when he crosses that chalk line he is like he's he's on for it, like you know. Nasty. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard the stories, man. He's a brutal tackler. 
um, but he lives for it. You know, it's like all of us, when footy's in your heart, it don't matter how old you get or how out the breath you get, you you still think you can run around like that 14-year-old. Like, you know, it's... Um, uh, but Steve Harris, yeah, apparently he's, um, he's a brute. So if things got a little bit slippy at the back, you know, as I said, it's quite a ballsy formation. So there's only three there. In fact, yet again, I had to pull somebody out of the midfield area. I could put uh, Chopper Harris at the back. And um, yeah, you can just tie it together with Buffon, like, you know? Mate, imagine Steve Harris next to Carlos Puyol. Oh, <laughs> well, they got the face for it, haven't they? Yeah, and the hair. <laughs> and the hair. Uh, and and, yeah, and the third one is just an outsider, really. Uh, a bit of a ringer, I think. I don't even know if he ever plays football or even supports it. Is, um, is Angus Young. Um, and I just thought it'd be brilliant to put him out on the wing. Um <laughs> Just because of the, the way he dances around the, the stage with ACDC, um, you're almost like, hey, Angus, take your hat off. You're on a football pitch now, buddy. Um, but yeah. It's, take um, your tie off. Yeah, take your tie off. <laughs> Come on now, it's football. Put Fo- some different shorts tie on. Around your shirt. Take your school uniform off, man. For Christ's sake. Put, the, put that football, shirt man. down for the goalpost. <laughs> Well, you yeah. always know he's going to turn up smart, don't you? Yeah, you always know yeah. he's going to turn up to that dressing room with his shirt, his tie on, and his and his little hat. Um, but yeah, man, just thought Angus Young out on the wing sounds like a a really good Scottish footballer as well, doesn't it? Angus Young, yeah, it sounds like a nippy Scottish winger. Mm. Yeah, yeah, oh, it just yes. sounds like some nineteen seventies. Oh man, that's exactly what I was just going to say. That was genuinely <laughs> what I was going to say. Nineteen seventies yeah. football. Oh yeah, do you remember that Angus Young? Yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> World Cup seventy four. He was he was wicked. <laughs> yeah. And then we get um, and we got your two songs. So we've got one which is going to be your walkout music, something to pump you up as you enter the pitch, and then another which is the goal song, which is to get the fans pumped after a you know a last minute winner goes in. What yeah. have you chosen? I've chosen um, Sweet Caroline, um, which oh. exactly you know it, it'll Hell feel. Yes. It'll, you know, my stadium's going to be a fortress, so I kind of yeah. want it to be... Feel like a prize fight. <laughs> exactly. Prize fight, UFC, or whether it be um, like the darts. Um, as the team come out, the, the crowd, it's like that fortress vibe. They're all up for it. Being Welsh, we love a good sing song as well. So, so yeah, bit of, bit of Sweet Caroline to walk out with. And then just to intimidate you, every time we score, it's going to be drowned in pool bodies. Fantastic um, choice. Yes. It's that, just that Cobra Kai mentality of no mercy. You know, I can imagine Cantonar up there just saying, pick the ball up, no celebration, let's get another one, like, you know? <laughs> that, <laughs> when the chorus man. comes in. Yes. Love it. Excellent, man. Mate, that was wicked. That was thanks so much for joining us this week, Ronnie. It has been a hell of a lot of fun, and to listen to someone talk so passionately about you know that summer of 2016 as a Welsh fan, like it's such it's been just great to listen to. Do you know what we also didn't touch on at all is uh-huh. the band, those damn crows. <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't touch on it, and we didn't mention that your last record got it just got number 14 in the charts, right? So yes, man. Yeah, big, big achievement. Uh, 
amazing achievement. I mean, 220, uh, where a lot of people, I know it, it, it did become dark and it's still, you know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But for us, it started off incredible. We had a full sold out tour um, of the UK. Um, and then we managed to break into the official UK charts, uh, number 14. It went in at three, then to six in the midweek chart. Um, and the names we were up against, boys, it was just like for rock music, it was phenomenal. You know, where you got Green Day at number one, you got like Ed Sheeran's and um, uh, what's, her, what's her name? Um, oh, it's just blank then. Billy. Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish and Stormzy and um, all Harry Styles, people like that, you know, pop, uh, mass followings, mass Spotify followers. So, yeah, to, to land at number 14, top 20 um was was incredible that was the start of our 2020 sold out tour then we had a tram shed homecoming show booked which sold out uh, months in advance um and then kind of the world went on halt which yeah. was a shame um i've seen you've got your support in thunder right at the motor point arena in cardiff yeah i mean that was booked yet again for 2020 thank goodness it's been rescheduled um there's loads that's been rescheduled i mean we were supposed to it got announced then that we were playing uh everybody knows now so it's no spoiler we were playing main stage of uh download download um and that for me yet again with the steve harris jokes earlier was was a, an amazing moment to see your name on on the main stage um is that gonna be the I first made... time you've done a main stage festival yeah well, yeah, we've played other ones, but not not, not download like you know. I mean, yeah, was, um... sorry, I meant like download. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I wish I was a regular to it. Like, but saying that, all jokes aside, we have been on the poster now. Oh, what? Wow. So we so we got announced to play with Iron Maiden, and we weren't even. I don't even think we were first on main stage, which was incredible. Um, then obviously it got rescheduled, which you know was inevitable and then it was biffy cairo saturday night and we got announced and we were yet again announced for the main stage yet again that got rescheduled um so we're just waiting on confirmation of it's uh, it'll come come. oh fingers crossed boys i mean we had a blinder see that year the 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 year before because we we played the dog tusk stage and there was a real buzz around the band i mean people couldn't get in the tent um it was just such a success like you know we've been plowing on to try and do it for so many years and then all of a sudden you get that opportunity and and bang like and i remember standing out there watching Def leopard with shane um and saying right the next bucket list now bro we gotta we gotta play that main stage that's the next one to work towards and i said oh you know four or five years down the line now we'll we'll work towards and he went nah do you know what i think we'll get it sooner and i was like oh well that'd be cool and then little do we know we'd get a phone call and the next year we were main stage download which was phenomenal like, you know yeah it is it's a, it's honestly you're on about your anvil documentaries it's it's a real dream because of the hard work that's been put in behind the scenes and and just trying to keep knocking down the doors and then covid happened and we were like oh no man oh what do we do now and then we came mm-hmm. up with similar to you guys um our own vibe which is called the crowcast um and we go live every tuesday uh nine o'clock um and the guests we've had are phenomenal. I mean, we've had Ruth Jones, MBE from Gavin and Stacey. Nice. And then we've had, yeah, man. And then we've had like, 
Danny Bowes from Thunder, Ricky Warwick from um, Black Black Star Riders, uh, Thin Lizzy. Uh, we've had the boys on from Bullet. So whether it be like Padge uh, came on, and we've had um, Moose on. Ryan Richards came on from Funeral. Um, so yeah, man, it's same as you guys. You know, we we just we we had them on. We just thought it's a way to keep the band relevant because when mm-hmm. your when your momentum is that cool, it's like a football team. It's all it's all in 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 the same thing. When you when you're on momentum. And then everything stops. You're thinking, well, how can we keep that going? Yeah. Um, it becomes an uphill green... battle. Yeah, man. And when mm. that green light happens, there's going to be so many bands running out there that we don't want to be forgotten. Or, oh, do you remember that band? Well, uh, you know, they were. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I think at the same time, you have to, I think you have to take into account that in the in the time that we've had off from touring and shows, that no other bands are going to blossom out of anywhere and take this, you know, take the path that you were you are guiding for yourselves like you've very much got good insurance there that you're going to go do some big shows with some a lot of fans that are going to like really like your music as well you know it's it's oh, going to appreciate that it's going to be great man well it's been a great lifeline for us and everybody's been super supportive um which is incredible we're we're still shifting merch which is amazing keeps as you boys know keeps the engine roaring keeps mm. the band uh going because you know for me this is full time now and same for shane um and then it's nice now that we can actually see a little bit of light um fingers crossed you know down down the next few months now we've got like festivals um the the smaller end of the festivals but there's still going to be a lot of people at them um whether it be your rambling man's or steelhouse festival in wales um I just hope they happen and I hope they happen for, for everybody. Cause I think everybody needs a little bit of cheering up now, but it still needs to be safe. I think we're all aware of that. Yeah, so, um, of course, of course. Patience, I suppose, you know, same with you guys, but everybody's kind of biting at the bit to get back out <laughs> and just in, yeah, enjoy man. some sort of normality, like, you know, but yeah. so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey for the crows. And like I said, no, um, no no kind of negativity our side because we've managed to build something out of nothing like you know for sure well i mean a lot of people seem to be into it so you're definitely pushing the right buttons mate oh thank you man thank you appreciate that well man this has been this has been a lot of fun like i've really enjoyed myself thanks thanks so much Ronnie, for coming on this has been a great chat honestly boys it was brilliant um we we do a lot of these with the band but this one has been so fun because it's like you get to talk about something else as well which is really really cool um <laughs> you know because no one really wants to get into football and stuff so thank you honestly it's been um... wax lyrical all you want about gareth bale here mate this is yeah. where you're always welcome <laughs> <laughs> well yeah man I, I mean the closest in other interviews you, you start talking a little bit about euro 216 and then i'm like oh man i gotta i gotta sell the band quickly or but what or about that de- about that download main stage spot yeah <laughs> they're trying to like, squeeze you back on track again <laughs> exactly exactly they don't want to hear about like yeah. they don't want about football or, or or anything like that but no honestly and i think what you do is absolutely amazing guys so I, i'm definitely a fan of it i've just subscribed to all the podcasts so yeah oh, keep, keep it going Thank honestly so man. Much, man really appreciate, appreciate it, it. Oh, good, our man. pleasure cheers man Big thanks to Ronnie Huxford uh, from Those Damn Crows for joining us. That was that was a damn good chat. Um, socials, Matt, where can people get in touch? We're going to do another Q&A episode in a couple of weeks' time, I think. So what we'll do is we'll put out uh, another one of those. Like We'll put out tweets and Instagram stories to request questions. But where can people find us first? Um, on Twitter, at, at Heavy Metal FTBL. 
That's right, isn't it? I've just memorised that. That is right. Yeah, bang on, That's bang right. on, well done. And then, at, you know, inst- as I, <laughs> I should know this, I was making the new post earlier. Um, <laughs> and then on Instagram, at X, Heavy Metal Football X. Cool. And then if you are interested in getting in touch via email, like Eli Roberts did at the start of the show, um, pod.heavymetalfootball at gmail.com. It's not the snappiest of email addresses, but we'll fix that in due course. It does the job. Um, yeah, that kind of does us for today. So back again next week and yeah cool Matt cheers for your time yeah you too mate wicked mate cheers bye